too much. I just wanted to say, um, <clears throat> I can hardly speak after speaking to you all for the last two days, but I just wanted to say, I just wanted to come out and say thank you to you because um, I've never done a convention before. I've never been a celebration before. I didn't really know, I guess, what it was like. And um, what's been really amazing is to, is to be able to, when I'm signing autographs or taking photographs, is to be able to meet you, even though if it's just for a second. I just wanted you to know. I just wanted you to know that it meant something to me very special. And uh, I've loved every minute of it. And uh, so I wanted to say thank you. Huh? And I'll be back next year, yeah? I'm going to see some of you in uh, Edinburgh, and I'll see some of you in San Antonio as well, I think. But um, on another note, <clears throat> there's uh, some people that have signed up for autographs who haven't come yet, and uh, I'm, I've got to leave soon. So I just wanted to give you the sort of a last chance. If you signed up and you haven't come to do it, um, I'm available for another 20 minutes or so. So come and get them. But listen, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. the first two episodes with you the other night. I hope, <laughs> I hope you love episode three and then four and five and six and uh, seven and eight and nine and ten. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Our slogan may be all the galaxies, all for you, but tonight we get to go back to the galaxy far, far away that started this podcast eight years ago. It was our affinity and our affection for the Star Wars universe that made us want to expand to other universes, talking about Marvel, DC, Jurassic Park, a lot of the things that you saw in that opening promo video if you're watching on YouTube. And tonight, we get to kind of do a little bit of a throwback, talking about a character that has basically been a part of my childhood. Since the 90s, 
into the uh, early to mid 2000s. This character has been super prominent on the big screen, on the small screen, live action and animated alike. And tonight we get to cover him and we get to cover a little bit of Star Wars Celebration after our buddy Ben is able to join us on the program. He's running a little bit late tonight, but thankfully the main man himself from Phantom Empire, our partners and broadcast friends uh, here with us, Sean Giroux joining us talking about who he has said privately and publicly is one of his favorite pop culture characters, period. Sean, I am really excited to talk about Kenobi with you tonight. Uh, not not one of, but my actual is the yeah. is the favorite. I know, dude. I... That is that is freaking awesome, and I I almost forgot to do something <laughs> on the technical side of things for Ben's sake, because he does still try to publish this stuff um, after the fact on places like Podbean, and I almost forgot that I promised him. I would record this stuff so that it would be easier for him to publish it later. So Maybe I'm going to audio for this uh, for you too, if you guys need to. So we, we may do that. He just likes to have backups. So I'm going to hit that record button there. And now we can officially start the program. Uh, it's the IPC podcast broadcasting live on YouTube with our friends at Phantom Empire. And I'm Zach really, really excited to be having this discussion tonight. Uh, I know it sounds a little bit redundant to those of you that are joining us live, but I am really, really excited to be talking about Kenobi and then talking about Celebration when Ben is able to hop on the show. Um, Sean, you've done a lot of stuff on Phantom Empire talking about it already, but a lot of what you've been able to do with those other videos has been asking other people questions. So now you get to be riding shotgun instead of in the driver's seat, which is my job tonight. Let me just get your overall impressions on this show, and has it improved your perspective of Ewan McGregor and the character Obi-Wan Kenobi? Has it changed it in any way? Did it live up to the expectations so far? Has it not? Like, what are your overall impressions on this show? Um, there was a lot of questions there, so I'll just start with I know, you. I know, I know. I just, I'm really excited. So just initial impressions, and then we'll dive into the nitty gritty after that. Uh, so keeping in mind, uh, that Obi-Wan Kenobi is my favorite pop culture figure ever, period. Um, I challenge anybody, uh, any Star Wars fan or, uh, movie critic that has watched all the Star Wars material to find me a better performance in Star Wars than Ewan McGregor throughout the first three episodes of it. I think the series has some technical issues on, uh, the principal photography stage and uh, stagecraft, I think, has had some glaring issues, but it's a developing technology. You're going to have um, uh, there's going to be bumps in the road as you go here. Uh, but in terms of the story, I'm I'm really really happy uh, with it. Um, that said, you mentioned we've covered a lot of content here at the channel. I will say this: trying to do that while working almost sixty hours a week. Oh, um, shoot, man. has been i like when i first seen episode three there's no way i appreciated it at all because i was falling asleep halfway through the episode and even our recap here i remember i like messaged johnny in a private chat it's like this isn't working I, i'm done i need to go to bed and i had to watch it the next day um Ugh. so I, I would stress anybody watching this series because i know a lot of people do the stay up and watch it in the middle of the night thing um yeah. 
make sure you're awake and alert. That'd be like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you there. I I finished a I want to say seven hour long road trip, and then like not an hour after getting back to town, I was watching the episode, and I I needed like some caffeine in my system just to be able to stay awake and alert enough, but. Um, what was, what was really fun was, um, I've been able to get my fiance involved in the star Wars universe with this Disney plus television. And we're going through the movies as well. We've done four, five, six, and one, two, three. And now we're debating whether we do like solo and rogue one, or do we go to seven, eight, nine? Um, but I, 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 I've been taking her through Mandalorian and book of Boba Fett and yeah, I'm I'm with you, Stephen. He, he's commenting. He he's out on the West Coast, so he's lucky enough that he gets to stay up until midnight. Um, but there are some of us who are staying up till two, three a.m. to try and make sure that we catch it, and that's just it near impossible to do. Um, but I mean, if you're able to have the coffee and and catch the episode, more power to you. Um, we watched it like the day after, I guess, because it was a Thursday. And uh, I don't know if Ben's going to have to bleep this in, in post-op or not. It depends on how PG-13 he wants the episode to make it. But the cliffhanger nature of the end of episode three had my fiance, who's not a huge Star Wars fan, although I am wearing a shirt she got me when she went to um, Disney about uh, six, six to eight months ago. That's this- bleeping awesome. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, but I figured it was appropriate because the Empire is like a really big, prominent piece of, of what we do um, in in the Kenobi series. And um, I really, really liked the role that they played in episode three. But um, circling back to the end of the episode, not giving away any spoilers just yet, but it had a cliffhanger end to it. And when it cut to the credits, <laughs> she sat up in her chair, watched it show like the, the people credits. And then said, ah, tits. <laughs> she wanted more and was mad that there wasn't more to watch. And I'm like, that is the nature of watching stuff week to week instead of the binge format. Um, because she wants to get caught up on Stranger Things. So right after that, we watched a couple episodes of the very first season of Stranger Things. And you can binge all of that. But kenobi and boba fett and mando you've had to watch week to week and uh she was none too thrilled with how that episode um the other day finished up so um i like that this show is accessible to a lot of different people i like that the the star wars fans like myself and and you sean are are getting into it but i like that it's accessible to the casual viewer as well it's um it's just mixed bag a little bit uh, for me. Um, I love the series. Uh, but if you don't mind, I'm going to get rid of the, the negative stuff right off the bat just because I don't want to focus on the negative. You guys okay, sure. Let's go for it. My negatives are small. Is uh, I was talking to actually someone who's on here once in a while, hasn't been on in a while. I was talking to Jake Damon this week. And uh, I said to him, if if you really know what you're looking for, the stagecraft in episode three stands out like a horribly sore thumb. And he's like, I'm not sure I've seen that. He has other issues with it. And I'm like, this is what I'll do. I'll take a few screenshots and I will color in where the stagecraft is. 
And as soon as I did it, I did it for him and some uh, another buddy of ours that comes on the channel, Ian. And Ian was like, oh, my God, you're so right. That's a screen. That's not actually mountains there. I'm like, no, it's not. And you can really tell when when Leia and Kenobi are walking. And I do think that technology is going to get better. Um, but at the end of the day, this is a character piece. It doesn't need to look the absolute best for me. Uh, it might be one of the true first character pieces we've gotten in Star Wars. Um, it feels like Logan a lot. It's not rated R like Logan, but like the relationship dynamic there too um, is definitely gives me that vibe. Yeah, I, I can I can see that the the lone wolf and the cub format, as our friend Dan Grievous has pointed out, and uh, he he's he's been on very vocal on social media talking about how he wishes there were other storytelling concepts that were explored upon because you kind of have that with Mandalorian and now you've kind of got it with Kenobi where there's you know a, a lone singular character that's now being accompanied by another character that's younger and seeing the world through a different lens and like i i get it that there are other types of storytelling but in the in the concept of kenobi i'm not exactly sure how else you're supposed to tell it because unless you want him to like just be having these thoughts with himself all the time, he needs to be able to communicate his his thoughts and his regrets and things to somebody that's going to listen and offer a fresh perspective. And so, yeah, there, there's definitely some stagecraft concerns and there's probably some storytelling concerns for those who want to be like like super nitty gritty. But as a whole, I'm kind of like our friend Steven here, who's in the comments with us live. He says, I'm a simple man. Give me a story showing how Kenobi is impacted by tragedy of what happened that brought him to this point. And I'm good. Enjoying most of it. I think that's the general consensus that I've seen on my parts of social media. Uh, granted, there are a lot of other parts of social media that have gone way off the deep end particularly on Instagram, and I don't know how much of that we want to address on a peaceful show like IPC, but suffice to say that there are some parts of the internet that claim to be Star Wars fans that are not backing it up with their words or their actions right now with the oppression that they've been given to Moses Ingram and the types of, of slants that they've been giving to review sites like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. I have no patience and no tolerance for that kind of crap whatsoever and really don't want to give them too much airtime and too much attention because there are so many other great things about Kenobi that are worth talking about that the toxicity just isn't one of those things that I want to give a whole lot of attention to. It's there. It sucks. I hate it, but I love the show more than I love their toxicity. I'll put it that way. Um, all I'm going to say is this. We put out a video today. Uh, which I did not tag properly. So it's not done too well. Um, but if you go through the information in that video, uh, we touch on that. And I know these guys aren't talking spoilers here. So not, not deep, deep spoilers. So all I'll say is go watch that video. And uh, it dives into the rotten tomatoes thing. And look, all you need to look at is before you and McGregor made a statement, it was like 74, 75%. Mm -hmm. And after he made that statement, it was 49% within 24 hours. And like, mm, I wonder where that went. The only rating that matters on Rotten Tomatoes is the critic rating. Sorry, but it's true. And the yeah. critics seem to be almost at 90%. So 
and critics are typically not overly fond of Star Wars. Yeah, they don't. I mean, since 1977, they haven't been super fond of anything Star Wars. And so to have that type of reception is encouraging for sure. We're halfway through the series. We've got three out of the, the six parts that we're supposed to get. And I guess I'm going to go ahead and go into spoilery territory because you should have seen it by now. I'm, I'm going to be honest, like if you're part of the Star Wars fan base or if you are just keeping up with Disney Plus television in general, uh, I would assume that you will have seen a Wednesday release by Friday night. Like that's that's 36 to 48 hours that you've had to to try and get caught up on what's going on. So we're three episodes in. We've had basically a a obi-wan backstory seeing what life is like for the jedi and seeing what life is like on tatooine we've had an episode where like the hunt is uh is ramped up a little bit like the pursuit comes very very close to an encounter a narrow escape at the end of the second episode and then by the third episode we've got a full-on encounter with the dark lord himself which has gotten some really positive reviews and some really mixed reviews i'm curious your take sean on how the storyline has progressed and what stuff we have seen halfway through the series um i swear this is my last negative thing because i literally only have two sorry i guess the the most (laughs) thing that you brought up is obviously very concerning um right and uh she definitely deserves everybody's support out there so uh even if you don't like her performance, she doesn't deserve you, anything. You've seen that there are Star Trek actors that are backing her up too, right? Oh, no, I haven't, but that's that's flipping awesome. Yeah, yeah. One of the lead actors from Star Trek Strange New Worlds posted on his Instagram, Anson Mount, and said that Star Trek is also showing their support of Ingram, even if they're from different galaxies. It's the same uh you know same type of family and so like it's it's becoming a a cross fandom support system which i think is awesome uh that's amazing i didn't know about that but uh that's you know anything to unite against hate i think is uh mm-hmm. 2022 if if you can do it right. definitely do it um the episodes aren't long enough I, i'm i'm not trying to nitpick but at star wars celebration literally the day of them doing uh, uh the two ep- two episodes debuted that day, I believe. You um, McGregor did an interview, and he's like, "It's, it's six one hour parts." Um, uh, well, I mean, episode one was close, but episode two was like an actual runtime, like thirty seven minutes or something. Um, so, like, selfishly, I want to see more of it because it's so good. That like, I really am enjoying it. Right. So hard not to get worried about it ending, but in terms of the story, like, it starts. I think how most people should have seen it starting. Like the guy has lost Anakin, Qui-Gon, the Jedi, Padme, Satine, literally everything. Yeah. He's got nothing left. The dude is down to like emotionally. He's destitute basically. Um, (laughs) When did that word become a thing is what I want to know. Maze balls. When when did that become a thing? I've never understood the narrative behind. Uh, I don't want my Obi Wan Kenobi to be going through PTSD. Like, 
I, I love the take on it because it's it's a realistic take. It's how he should feel. It humanizes him. And plus, uh, this isn't Star Wars. This is basic conception of building a story, whether it's in a TV series, a book, uh, a video game, a movie. If your character starts at point C and stays at point C and ends at point C, that's not good storytelling. Um, you you got to have some sort of character development in it, and it's been amazing, man. Like episode one set set the uh, set the tone. Um, I love the Walking dynamic out. between uh, I love the dynamic between Ewan and um, Joel Edgerton playing Owen Lars. I thought that, I mm-hmm. wish we got more of it. It was really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also sad. Like I don't know how you feel about this. Um, Thanks. Uh, I just saw your private message. I don't know how you feel about this, but like, that's like for me growing up as a kid, Obi Wan was my hero, <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, so to see him like this uh, as an adult, it's actually, um, I don't want to say rewarding, but it, it's cool to know, hey, even your heroes can go through times where they down. And this is absolutely a dust yourself up off and pick yourself back up story. So I've loved it. And, uh, I love the dynamic between uh, Leia and uh, and Kenobi. Vivian Lyra Blair has been, I think, amazing in this. Um, she was also amazing in Bird Box, and I know there's people picking on her too, but it's like she's an eight-year-old girl. Sorry, when this was filmed, she's an eight-year-old girl playing a ten-year-old Leia, which means she was four in Bird Box with Sandra Bullock, which is just <laughs> nuts. Um, <laughs> this whole series has incredible acting talent. And uh, yeah, I really like the way it started. I don't know if you want to go to episode three or anything, because I have my own thoughts there, but um, I really like it. Where are you with it? Like for me, this is the best Star Wars TV we've gotten. I I will agree Uh, from a, from a cinematic perspective, from a storytelling perspective. um, I, I I made a post after seeing the first two episodes that I wish this show would get like a cinematic run because even with the, you know, the, the thing, the nitpicks that we have been, you know, exploring on a little bit on this episode, I still feel like it is the most deserving of the big screen out of a lot of content that we've gotten from the galaxy far, far away, probably within the last uh, six or seven years. It just, it feels like a movie and I turn off all the lights in my house. Like I, I have Alexa turn off as many lights as possible to, to make it feel as much like a movie theater as I can. And so uh, I have very much enjoyed what I've seen. Um, I think my biggest concern, and I, I don't, I don't really know how much I should be griping about this, but I guess I was a little concerned when I saw the Grand Inquisitor get killed off in Episode Two. Uh, I remember Jason Isaac's Inquisitor from Rebels, and there was a different storyline that happened compared to the one we were getting here. And I was hoping that maybe he didn't actually meet his demise. But now Vader in Episode 3 is saying, if you you know, don't let me down, then the role of Grand Inquisitor is yours. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I need to get some closure on that character and start... Um, thinking about how this is going to be centric around Riva now, which I'm totally fine with. It, it isn't a race thing. It's a it's a continuity thing for me. 
And if that is my biggest gripe, if that's my biggest nitpick, then this show's off to a rousing start. Um, I'm, I'm with you that it, it does have a lot of Logan type impressions. Um, but at the same time, this type of storytelling is what we have kind of wanted as prequel fans for years now. We have wanted to see Obi-Wan try to communicate with Qui-Gon. We have wanted to see what life in the desert looks like. And that first episode, for some reason, I never put two and two together that he would need a nine to five in order to live out in the middle of freaking nowhere. I, I never pictured him getting on a transport, going out to the middle of nowhere and chopping up meat until an alarm goes off and tells him to go home. I never pictured him needing to buy things off of Jawas. Um, I, I would just, I was, I was just kind of surprised to see that that is the direction that they took his character, but not surprised in a negative way, just surprised in the sense that I'm glad they're going to such depth and detail with a character that is deserving of said depth and detail. I have been just blown away by the, what I would even define as a character study of uh, Obi-Wan Ben Kenobi. <laughs> um, it's, it's incredible the way they've done it. and the whole nine to five thing. Yeah. It's like, I wonder if Bail Organa could have, uh, you know, afforded to spot Kenobi a few credits when he dropped him off on Tatooine uh, 10 years prior. But I, I guess like, it's not just a financial thing. It's a, it's a cover thing too, right? Like, right. He needs to be seen as just this. Oh, hey, it's that that's that old stinky guy who you know, lives in that cave. Um, and but, I mean, that's kind of the way they they present him in A New Hope, and it's like he's just a crazy old wizard that lives way out in the middle of nowhere and does nothing, and and you know, it, that's that's not the case. No, for sure. Um, I I don't know how you feel about this, man. Um, but for me personally, uh, I thought Owen was amazing in episode one. Like, I couldn't get enough of Owen. It was like, okay, I got to watch how I say this because I've been saying it different on our, our non-PG shows. Um, <laughs> Owen basically looked at Obi-Wan and was like, yeah, bleep you. And mm -hmm. all the Inquisitors too. And I think most people... I've always looked at Owen as the the grumpy old man who didn't want Luke to have any fun or have any life. But in reality, like he was legitimately trying to protect him. He loves him. And literally his point to Obi-Wan was proven seconds after making it. So uh, it's, it's hard to side against Owen and the performance is fantastic too, by the way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Edgerton is great. And when he takes the toy and kind of throws it back at Ben, like, he knew exactly where it came from. He knew exactly what the what the intent behind it was. Like he was he was on top of it, and the way that he was going after Kenobi was like, um, I know who you are. I know what you're about. I know what his father's about, and I know that I don't want this kid having anything to do with it. And it it gives you a little bit more insight into his character, way more than you got in Episode Four, and even more than you got in episode two and so like edgerton is giving some depth to a character that was 
kind of a throwaway character um, in episode four, if I'm being honest. And now he's got so much more to him. I'm loving the theories in the chat that you're highlighting right now. The idea that the Grand Inquisitor might somehow return either with a Fennec Shan type of stomach, as Ridge points out, or Steven saying that um, Obi-Wan goes gray healing the Inquisitor so that the Inquisitor can um, help him in the chase against Reva. Um, Obi-Wan needs whatever allies he can get at this point. And uh, he, he found one in, in Deer of Arma, which was actually really satisfying for me as a Game of Thrones fan. I'm glad that they gave her character a lot more depth than just a standard Imperial. They made her like a, a Alliance um, spy more or less. And um, so I, I really enjoyed what, uh, what they did with her character and some of the other characters in episode three. The whole concept of the, uh, of the path has been incredible. Um the the Quinlan moment, the other Jedi come through here, uh, the the um, transport to Jabim. Mm. Uh, I I got some actually some some hot sauce I can dip here if you're okay with it. Uh, it's not, not anything I mentioned in the private chat. It's already happened. Just most people have probably missed it. Uh yeah, we can we can touch on it for for a little bit there. Um. I'm still kind of wrapping my brain around it and trying to wrap my brain around the existing content, but yeah, let's. Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm. I'm it's not what I put in the private. It's chat. not what you put there. Okay. No. Okay. By all means. So, do you know who Corn Horn is? Yeah, I know Corn Horn. Yeah, he's he's from the Legends canon. He's also the kid in Episode Two. If you go into the credits, he's credited as Horn. Uh, Horn. He's credited as Corn. And his mom is uh, credited as Niche. And who's Corn Horn's mom in Legends? It's Niche. And the child was also Force-sensitive. So I have a hunch we might see that character pop back up in Jabim instead of the Corellia they were supposed to head to. So uh, that was that was really cool. And officially in the credits, too. So I wish they would have made more of a deal about it. It might have just been like a nice nod. Um, but that's a little on the nose to have the, the Force-sensitive boy named Corrin with the mom with the exact same name, too. It's uh, it's cool. Oh, the the one where they get help from the Jedi, who's not really a Jedi. Yes, that's the one. Okay. Yeah, it took it took me a second. I've only seen each of the episodes once, and so I'm like going through my Rolodex trying to remember exactly what happened in in each sequence. Because if I'm being honest, I was I was kind of a little bit more obsessed with who the Jedi was rather than what he was doing, yeah. because getting some of those cameos and seeing the excitement from their actors on social media being like i'm in star wars like that was just as satisfying for me as the character itself was and so um that is that is pretty cool do you do you think that'll be something that pops back up again in this show or is that trying to set something up for something else in universe down the road uh i mean Regardless of how they address it, it's very clear that they're bringing a lot of legend stuff back into current canon, but just in different ways and presenting them in different packages. And for some people, they might not like it. I like it, though. It's it's honoring them. It, it opens the door. Um, um, there's a certain Star Wars character with the initials KK that's going to pop up in something not too long from now. So mm. not Kathleen Kennedy either. So, um, 
Um, although she deserves some credit, like look at all the content that we have coming out over the next couple of years. So it's, uh, it's pretty incredible on Steven's theory though, here, if you don't mind me touching on it. Um, sure. I have no idea anything like that happens or not. Um, however, I love the theory, but how cool would it be? Now, if this does happen, it's going to make it look like I spoiled everything, but I swear I don't know. <laughs> How cool would it be if Fight 2, which we also assume is coming, mm-hmm. and Kenobi, because we need to get to the, when we met, you were the master and I was but the learner. So how right. cool would it be if he did it for Vader? If he did what for Vader? That he healed Vader and stopped him from dying. As a way of trying to redeem him and bring him back and it didn't work we're getting to that whole in my opinion we're getting to the whole uh the line he says to luke in return of the jedi which they've already addressed in vanity fair too mm-hmm. the uh obi-wan once thought as you did in terms of trying to turn him back we have yet to see that in any yeah. media so it's coming so i just thought steven's theory there twisted a little bit that'd be really cool still to have vader not turn would be kind of heartbreaking too yeah yeah i i can see that and the and given the events of episode three which we can probably go ahead and talk about episode three now um we've worked deep enough into the show that people who don't want to hear spoilers of it can go ahead and turn it off or skip ahead or whatever but i i'm really excited to talk about episode three um given given the events of that of that third episode you can tell that vader has a lot of bitterness and a lot of rage surrounding the events that transpired in revenge of the sith and he has been basically bottling that up for 10 years, plotting his revenge, figuring out what he wants to do. And it just so happens that he finds Kenobi on a on a mining planet where one of the things, one of the elements that gets mined is flammable. And he's able to, you know, execute that plan that he's been working on for the last 10 years and actually have it come to fruition. Steven, I'm with you that Quinlan Voss is going to pop back up again. He's just too cool of a character to not be included in the universe in a further capacity. So um, I'm, I'm with you that he shows back up. Um, I'm, I'm saddened that he only gets a reference, but I'm also glad that he gets a reference in Kenobi, but I definitely want more of him as well. Yeah, I think he's going to pop up. But my predictions in something much bigger than a video game. We'll see. That. Okay, interesting. I have no inside knowledge on that prediction. No, no. A, a lot of this is just is just off of speculation, and, and I get that because I, that's part of what I love about doing it on a week to week basis. Is we can sit here and go, "What's going to happen in episode four? What's going to happen in episode five? Um, just given the what we've seen in the first half of the series, it was like, it was like pursue pursue fight and now it'll in my estimation be more pursuit pursuit and then a fight in the sixth episode and like 2.0 will be the you know the culmination of what we've been watching up to this point and so you know there are a lot of movies that go in a similar format where you've got you know chase scene fight scene some sort of a payoff that happens towards the middle of the movie but it doesn't go in our hero's way and then the next sequence the next time they get a chance against this character 
they fare a little bit better. Um, I'm hoping it's not as predictable and tropey as I'm making it out to be. I'm, I'm hoping there's definitely a lot more depth to it. And I'm, I'm kind of in a similar wavelength of, of you and, and Steve and Sean that there's going to be something that transpires in this show that turns him gray. Like there's got to be something that explains how in 20 years he went from looking 35 to 75 and the precedent is already there with the emperor exerting so much energy in the force that he turns, you know, 200 in a matter of seconds. So I I'm really curious to see exactly what it is that makes him look the way that he does. I, I don't know if we're going to see his appearance change all that much in uh, this six episode run here. Um, but at some point, something's got to change because even though he looks older now, which by the way, they actually had to make Ewan look older than he actually looks. Yeah, uh, they had. To, they still had to age him. It's been, what, 15 <laughs> years, 17 years since Revenge of the Sith, and he still doesn't look old enough to have aged 10 years in the show. From that to Alec Guinness in nine years, something's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be any force draining thing, though, as much as it might be. He might have to go on the same journey that that Yoda did with Qui-Gon to figure out the whole force ghost thing. Mm -hmm. Because at some point, at least in Legends material, he he reaches Qui-Gon. One would think that's got to happen. They've been hammering it on the nose way too hard the first three episodes for there to be no payoff on that. Um, He's also a human learning it. I, I could see it being something along those lines. I don't know. That sounds like something we'd see in a book more than a TV show, but um, who knows? I think it'd be cool. Um, it just seemed to have grounded a lot of these TV shows, but I'd be up for something more uh, luminous, I suppose, would be a good word. Uh, do we, do, do you, do you foresee a physical manifestation of Liam Neeson, or is it just going to be? a verbal encounter. I, well, we know at least at the beginning, he didn't like, he didn't fully complete the training, but mm-hmm. and gone for how long now? And time passes differently over there. And mm-hmm. know much about that other world of the force. Mm-hmm. Um, but my guess is they've been hammering it on the nose way too hard for him to not actually appear. So. Yeah. Um, I, I would I would like to see it because we we saw a physical manifestation on Mortis in season three of the Clone Wars, but then we don't see any physical manifestation when he is communicating with Yoda in season six. So uh, I I feel like it's kind of a toss up. It may depend on Neeson's availability as an actor. To be honest, um, he's been a busy guy, always has been, and so um, I guess it just kind of depends. But um, let, let's talk about some of the some of the set pieces and the characters that exist within those set pieces because I was a really really big fan of the imperial base that was set mostly underwater and having the Inquisitors base out of there and having like a particular seat for the Grand Inquisitor that Reva was trying to occupy and. Um, who was it? What is it? The fifth brother was trying to tell her to stay out of it. The the dueling nature of the politics within the Inquisitors was really fun to watch. 
But then seeing some new planets and being told of new planets, even if it is being done with stagecraft, I like the idea that we're not revisiting Coruscant, that we're not going back to Naboo. I like that we started with Tatooine and basically aren't trying to beat you over the head with more Tatooine, more Tatooine, more Tatooine, like him going on these adventures, seeing Alderaan in all of its glory. Like this is prime Alderaan before it gets destroyed. Um, I've, I've been a really big fan of the exploration that they've been able to do in addition to exploring certain characters like Obi-Wan and the Inquisitors. Uh care for this last planet that I can't remember the name of now, but Alderaan and Dayu, which was like the Hong Kong looking planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they looked amazing, like absolutely, utterly brilliant. And we don't get to see enough of those type of environments in Star Wars. They've grounded mm-hmm. themselves in this. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, trying to be too much like Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones with realistic environments, but we also need some some sci-fi futuristic stuff too, because that's that's what Star Wars is as well. And uh, I thought both of the, you know, say what you want about stagecraft, but both of those look spectacular. And I do like that this is kind of been like a road show and not the just the guy on Tatooine for endless episodes. Um, and the reason for him to leave is absolutely the best reason for him to leave. So yes, yes, I'm with you on that. Like. I don't think there would be any other crisis. I don't think there would be any other situation other than something happening to one of the twins that would cause him to leave his post more or less. And he does it very begrudgingly. Like he is not thrilled with the idea. And it took Bale coming all the way to Tatooine to plead with him for help. Um, but the, the planet you're alluding to in episode three is called Mapuzo. I just looked it up. Um, I could have seen them trying to go to, to Kessel, but I know we explored that in Solo a little bit. So having another mining colony of sorts somewhere else kind of made sense just to give you some more variety. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you that this was probably the only reason in the galaxy that would cause obi-wan to to leave his post basically and people people are complaining that there's i, I like I, i'm i'm legitimately curious as to why people are complaining about this but they're saying that leia's getting too much screen time that she's having too many lines and that her development is overshadowing ben's development and i'm sitting here going what like Really? You you you've never you've never complained about other dynamics until now. But n- now you're you're saying that a little girl is overshadowing you and McGregor. Like I don't think that's physically possible. And I for one am a huge fan of Vivian Lyra Blair's interpretation the the costumes that they've selected for her and the charisma that she carries herself with is a hundred percent what I would expect of Princess Leia like she is carrying the essence of that royalty as perfectly as an eight to nine ten year old possibly could um I'm gonna 
address what you said in a second there, man. Steven mentioned we still got to see more Baru. Uh, I'll be blunt. There was a whole sequence of Baru cut out of episode one, and it included Luke. Um, and I'm not sure why it wasn't there, because there was leaked photos of it, too. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, it's gone. Uh, and I know it wasn't there because they're in the town when the Inquisitors do the thing to Owen and in the actual cut that made it, not so much. So I don't know. They scaled back on her. Uh, Bonnie Peace, I believe her name is. Um, I can't remember. I hope we see more of her too. Uh, Baru's obviously a huge influence on Luke's life. So, um, and honestly, if you read Queen's uh, Shadow, I think's the last one. Um, or Queen's Hope, maybe it's Queen's Hope. I can't remember. They're the Padme books that have come out. Uh, there's a little bit of a Padme Baru connection in them too. So they're really oh. good. Speaking of Padme, um, and going back to Vivian Lyra Blair as Leia, uh, the choices for the costumes have been brilliant because they echo previous costumes worn by Leia in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. but they've also found a way to honor Padme and. I'm in the minority here, I know, but like I'm team Padme over team Leia and I love them both. And to see Padme getting uh, her due during this has been some of the most emotional moments I've ever seen in Star Wars. I, I, I've, I've loved the way that Kenobi keeps alluding to Padme, even though he's he could theoretically also be talking about the, the Organa family when he's talking about Leia's parents, but you, you know, like contextually what he's really talking about. And I love that young Leia kind of started catching on because her, her gift was so interesting and it, it makes so much sense is there are things from the force that come naturally to her, but because it's so organic. It doesn't even feel like she's tapping into the force. Really her gift of insight is her first power. In my opinion, her ability to see through people and be able to see exactly who they are, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. It's part of what helps her grow up to become such a great leader. You know, her, her ability to read a person and understand where they're coming from and be able to see between the lines is what makes her a general of the resistance. It's what makes her a 18, 19, 20-year-old senator. It's what makes her her. And you're seeing that as she plays off of Ben so, so well. And I've just been a fan of their dynamic because it's that older person, you know, imparting begrudgingly i would say it's a begrudging imparting of wisdom and and expertise because i don't think ben is really very interested in training leia like he he's not interested in helping her learn about the force he's not helping her uh you know try and tap into it even though she theoretically should be just as force sensitive as luke but he's he's not doing that. Like even his description, you're muted again, bud. <laughs> and the way it played off to me is like he already sees her future, especially in episode three, or at least mm-hmm. his idea. Like he doesn't think that she's uh, good Anakin. Yeah. 
he mm. thinks that she's good Padme. Mm -hmm. And uh, even to the point that when, you know, the, oh, can you show me how to shoot? He's just kind of like, and I'm not saying he's deciding her future for her. That's not the case. But like, I think he's seen Padme just all over her this entire time and sees a leader there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's cool. There's a family aspect to this show that's yeah. tragic, um, heartbreaking. And because uh, like, I know that maybe the prequel trilogy didn't do the best job of conveying how close Anakin and Obi-Wan were. But since uh, since then, literature has, uh, Clone Wars has, uh, they really, once Anakin became a Jedi Knight, did become brothers, you know. Uh, and even like the most recent book, um, Brotherhood, you know, Kenobi owns up to some some misdoings of his own and maybe not doing things right. Um, you know, that's tragic. Best friend, that's his brother that that happened to. Um Padme's gone. The kids are here. And like, I can't imagine like if this was the real world, what it would be like for him being on this mission with Padme, like the emotions would be nice. It, like, it kind of leads to the third, uh, the third episode in the fight too, dude is like, mm -hmm. he's going through this thing and he is not handling his emotions. Well, right. At all. And they're making it very clear every single episode and that's the way he should be. Like that would be like, you know, getting hit with a train of emotions out of nowhere. One mm -hmm. day you're meat, and the next day you're hanging out with Padme and Anakin's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's not just that. I think it's also the fact that he really hasn't had to utilize the Force all that much, and he's a bit rusty. And when he does have to use it like you see um in episode two he has trouble being able to you know levitate leia right before she hits the ground you know just using the force to grab onto somebody is is tough enough for him and then by the third episode he is sensing this this wash of a presence that comes over him before he even lays eyes on what vader looks like now and within minutes He's also then expected to um, to fight his former brother. He's then expected to remember his his lightsaber combat training, the lightsaber that he buried in the sand years ago and left behind. Um, I, I it's there's there's a lot to it of him leaving the order behind and trying to live a normal life and now being thrust back into things. Um, that that really really makes that fight sequence in the town look and feel a lot like a new hope in my opinion the 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 clash of the swords and the the lack of of grandeur that you see in revenge of the sith is now explained to a certain degree because obviously Anakin Vader hasn't really been dueling a whole lot in the last 10 years outside of hunting down a few Jedi here and there. And Obi-Wan hasn't sparred with anybody in years. And yet here they are face to face in one of the biggest conflicts that they've experienced in a decade. And the emotion behind it is just conveyed so incredibly well. 
Anyways, we have been talking about a character in the show who's going by the name Ben, but uh, I think it's actually finally time to introduce the fellow who goes by that name on an actual literal basis. We said he was running behind, but he wasn't about to miss uh, the entire podcast. And uh, I think now is as good a time as any to try and bring in the uh, the third voice. And I know, Sean, you said you had a time limit this evening anyways. So um, let's see if we can get Ben Hart in on the call. Ah, there he is. Hello there. <laughs> General Kenobi. Boy, he hasn't heard that name in years um ben we were, we were just touching on episode three and we can get some of your thoughts too once um sean has to sign off but um dude what uh, sean what, what what did you make of like the emotion and the gravitas of the final like 10 to 12 minutes of that of that third episode okay so i i don't want to like act like a know-it-all but it might come across that way so oh here Take yourself out of how Star Wars is filmed because that is not it. There's a wonderful article that came out today in Vanity Fair from Anthony Bresnikan with head writer Joby Hild. And it's funny because Ian and I uh, had spoken about this long before this uh, day and a half before this article ever came out. Um, and I said, What's the main topic we cover on Phantom Empire? It, it's literally Halloween. And in this article, they describe Vader as Michael Myers from Halloween. That's perfect. It's oh, shot wow. exact same way. If you look at the way certain Halloween movies are shot, the way it it's not shot like classic Star Wars. So I understand why purists look at it and go, "Okay, well that's that's not how Vader is normally shot." No, they shot him way more menacing because he's not Vader from the prequel trilogy yet. Hayden at the event that Ben was just at, which I'm truly jealous about. Oh. Um, said multiple times uh, this is going to be a very conflicted Vader. This is not going to be original trilogy Vader and it's also not Revenge of the Sith Anakin Vader. It's somewhere in the middle. Um, so I thought the way they thought it was wonderful. It was in my opinion the most suspenseful scene I've ever seen in Star Wars uh, in ter- terms of suspense and horror. Um, the way the, the sudden head uh, movements which I've seen some people say is too fast they're shooting it in a different way. And I just, it was breathtaking, man. I loved it. That said, I didn't love it the first time I watched it. Cause I watched it like half away. Right. These uh, nuances. Um, so when I seen it the, the, the following day, I had a chance to pick up on that. And I was like, Oh, Oh no, this is I did this, but I understand why some star Wars fans want star Wars to stay the way it is and stay shot in a particular manner. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that's the Darth Vader that we've heard so much about for many, since 1977, Darth Vader hunted down all the Jedi. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, that was incredible. I'd be curious to hear, uh, both of your thoughts on that before taking off here. Uh, Ben, I, I've been talking about it a lot, so I'll, I'll turn it over to you. That, that fight sequence in part three, um, starting with them in the safe house all the way to the, cliffhanger of an ending of an episode what was what was your take and what were your thoughts as you watched all of those things unfold yeah it's i mean it does play out kind of like a horror movie it's very just like 
he appears and reappears and no matter how slow he walks and how fast Obi-Wan runs, you cannot run him. He's always going to be right behind you or right in front of you. And it's, it's brilliant the way they do it. And and it's done in such a way. Cause like I, I was talking last night and being like, yeah, it's not the most like, you know, brilliant location. It's a, just a quarry or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's not super like exciting, but they do do enough with it. Um, I have a little problem. I won't harp on this too much, but I have a little problem with like, it, it looks a little cheap a little bit. There's some shaky cam and there's just the reflection. It's just not, there's something a little bit off about it. I need to watch it again. Um, and I'm not discounting it because like, it's an amazing scene. It's really like what I wanted from this. It really was it's mm-hmm. a scene that I think we've been waiting for for so long. And also I feel like it's needed now. I think this show is showing why it needs to happen and why we need it. Despite what everyone thought, and even myself, what, what Obi Wan and Vader met between A New Hope and Revenge of the Sith? How dare they? Groaning the cannon. Um, I think this makes total sense. When Ben Kenobi shows up on the Death Star in A New Hope, he's not surprised. He's not shocked. He just pulls out his lightsaber. He's like, "Okay, here we go again." There's not. There's no surprise there. <laughs> this is the surprise. This is the shocking moment this is the moment when obi-wan learns the truth and sees vader for all his might i think it deserves this kind of reaction deserves obi-wan literally running for his life this stoic jedi fearless always just all with the quips and stuff like that how many times in the clone wars he's faced off against general grievous and a thousand other bad guys not break a sweat not scared in the least he is terrified in this moment the look on his face, Ewan McGregor sells it all. It is so good. And so, and obviously, I think this is not going to be their last confrontation. But I think as a first confrontation since Revenge of the Sith, I think it was really well done. The emotions there, the characters there, it's really, really well done. I thought you nailed it. Um, I said to Zach earlier, I think that... Uh... Ewan's performance in uh are you you all right, Ben? I'm okay. <laughs> um, I'm okay. <laughs> I, I don't think I've seen a better acting performance in Star Wars than Ewan uh in these uh three episodes. Oh I, yeah. I didn't uh touch on the fight itself, which I honestly I thought was fine. It was exactly what it needed to be. You had a guy who was trying to buy time for his priority, Leia. Um, but who was also just ridden with grief and guilt uh, and heartbreak and fear, as Ben said. Um, and, and not to mention, he's used the Force maybe a handful of times, maybe once <laughs> in a decade. Um, so, like, he's not attuned to it at all. He's, he's, he's Ben Kenobi in that fight. He's not Obi-Wan. My, I suspect... By fight two, we will see Obi Wan Kenobi and not Ben Kenobi. But I liked it, and the Vader. I think you mentioned the Vader uh, flame part earlier. Um, I honestly viewed that one of two ways. One, he's literally toying with Kenobi and showing that, hey, I'll I'll just hunt you back down. It's not a big deal. Uh, or two, he's looking at the flames, like we see the reflection of the flames 
in his mask. And I get it. He's Darth Vader, but we've also established that Hayden said he's a very conflicted Vader and I'm, I'm sure he's not overly eager to uh, walk through the fire uh, given what happened the last time. And I'm sure there's fear there about the fire for him too. Yeah. I was a little conflicted on the whole troopers trying to get through the fire and not being able to, and Vader igniting the fire, but then not being willing to like part the flames to try and get to Obi-Wan. Like he's basically just sitting there watching him get rescued. And I feel like it could be a mixture of PTSD and, and toying with him, but I, I, I still don't know what to make of that because it was his idea to start the fire and, and burn Kenobi. And he's established that he can levitate him. He can use the force to levitate him from that distance. So I don't know why he didn't levitate himself over the flames. I don't know why he didn't pull Kenobi towards him through the flame or why he didn't just pull Obi-Wan through the flames to allow him to burn a little bit more and then just have like a half charred Kenobi at his feet after pulling him through the flames. Like there's a lot of different options that he could have acted on and chose not to. So I'm really hoping that we get more Vader in the fourth episode that can kind of help explain and justify his decision-making because right now towards the end of that third episode, Reva was kind of doing her job better than Vader was doing his she was investigating. She found the secret tunnel. She found the passageway. Hell, she found Leia by the end of that episode and was able to presumably capture her. And Vader couldn't even capture Kenobi. He got away. So I, I'm I'm intrigued to see if there's some sort of like flame-related PTSD, and that's why he chose to build his base on Mustafar, is he trying to like face his fear daily until he finally overcomes it and gets consumed by it? But uh, I, I really do have questions regarding that decision making. But everything up until that was freaking awesome. Watching him decide to exact revenge and and kind of an eye for an eye type of mentality um, was something I'd never really considered. I would have thought that he was just so consumed by hate that he would just want to kill him and be done with it but it's a very very dark side trait to do an eye for an eye type of thing and burn him the way he was burned 10 years prior and so um the the story that unfolds is still breathtaking for me i i had a lot of oh wow like eyes wide jaw on the floor probably said a few words that i'm not allowed to say on ipc um, but I, I really, really enjoyed the way that episode ended. And my fiance did too. I told Sean this at the top of the show, Ben, um, when, when, when they cut to the credits, um, she was pretty mad and wanted like the fourth episode to happen now. And, uh, I'm, I'm, 
I'm kind of with her on that. I, yeah, I love, I love the way here. this episode ended, and uh, I'm glad that they're not doing like a mid-season break where you have to wait for a month to figure out what happens because oh, the, type of, the type of cliffhanger that we got at the end of this episode is like the ones that you get like on the CW or on Paramount when Star Trek does their mid-season finale. They leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger and make you wait for like a month and a half, two months. Returning June 28th. What? No! Do not do that to me. Stranger Things is already doing that to me, and I'm not about to let Kenobi do it to me. I do agree with your point about it is it doesn't make a lot of sense that he doesn't just pursue Kenobi. I think my only I can only come up with a retcon. The only retcon that I come up with that like makes sense to me because that's what I do. Things that I like that don't make sense, I come up with a retcon in my head. Um mm-hmm. I think he's pulling them all. I think you watch Maul in in uh in the clone wars him trying to get revenge on kenobi he doesn't do it right off the bat he has plenty of chances to kill kenobi he could just go in and just like stab him and he doesn't he wants to relish that revenge and uh so i think i think with vader it's like oh yeah i'll get it next time like i'm just gonna let him go this time because now I've got purpose. Now I don't want to just kill him. I want him to suffer. I have suffered for 10 years. I want him to suffer and be uh, terrified. And I'm going to find him. And, you know, he's he's confident. So I think that makes a little sense. And we'll, we'll see. And there's always, I mean, how many times this happened before? The bad guys do something stupid. They're like, oh, we'll get him next time. We didn't actually you know, it's just like it's like Thrawn in every other episode of Rebels. It's just like, oh, well, you know, I let them go for my grand plan. <laughs> I, I guess the one one problem that I have with that is he's been pursuing Kenobi for 10 years. And when he finally finds him, he slips through his fingers in a in a matter of minutes. And. I just I feel like he would have had more zeal because in the opening scroll of Empire Strikes Back, it's like the the rebellion has been relentlessly pursued by the Empire kind of thing. This didn't feel like a relentless pursuit. So I I really want more Vader in the fourth part in order to help me understand what happened towards the end of that third episode there. But yes, uh I, I know, Sean, you said you had a, a limited time on this, so I'll just get your your final thoughts on the third part and your final thoughts on Kenobi. Take as much or as little time as you want on that. I know you've had plenty of other videos to express these thoughts, but what what do you make of the first half of the season and what did you make of that third episode? Uh, the story is riveting. It's amazing. The chemistry between uh, Vivian Lyra Blair and Ian McGregor is on display every single episode, and uh, it's very emotional to uh, to watch. It's it's a very character-driven story, um, and it's nice. Uh, third episode was great. I, I liked that it was shot like a horror movie, and uh, the only advice I'd give people is remember that uh, this isn't episodic. It's, it's one big story split into linear. six. It's linear. Yeah. So don't jump to conclusions too fast. There's three more parts to go and let's see where it goes. If you had to give it a score out of 10 now, though, we're doing like first half of the season and then end of season planet scores here on IPC. We'll probably end up touching base on this at the end of the series in a month or so. But if you had to give it a score out of 10 now, what would you give it? Um, 
I'm trying to math here. I'm really tired. <laughs> um, Are you trying to like divide it by three based on the numbers you're given for each episode? Yeah, I, I gave episode one a 9.5, episode two an 8.5, and episode three a nine. So very high. It's very, very yeah. good. I like it. That's, uh, that would be 27 out of 30. So that's a, that's a straight up nine out of 10. Uh, I am with Ben, though. Ben mentioned a point earlier. I think he did anyways, unless I misunderstood it. Um, that it, it kind of looks cheap at times. Um, and I do think that's something that they're going to get better with with time. The more they use stagecraft and the more that that technology evolves, uh, it will. And by the way, just to just to confirm one thing, I've seen this out of there. A lot of people are, James Earl Jones is back at 91 and he's, uh, how did he, you know, return <laughs> to form? And uh, this is how he returned to form. Mm -hmm. it's it's in the credits um yeah. not that that's a bad thing uh we've seen in the book of boba fett i believe it was a book of boba fett uh they did that for luke um yeah, yeah. lucasfilm is uh yeah. using all this just incredible technology they're deep diving into it and uh i think that's really cool and i do think vader sounds um the best he sounds yeah. in the original trilogy but I, I i don't know if you guys caught it when he's talking to reva Oh he's, yeah, sis. He's, he's, I was like, "That's pulled right from Return of the Jedi." Oh my gosh! <laughs> he says, like, oh, he says a new performance. It's an old performance. He says third sister. But he if says, you think about it, if you think about it, of all the characters to create a synthetic voice for, Vader makes the most sense because that literally is a synthetic voice in yep. universe. That's not yep. how Hayden. Or James Earl or any of those guys sounded, so it makes total sense to create that. I think he's like I think obviously if you watch like from Return of the Jedi to Revenge of the Sith to Rogue One, James Earl Jones's voice has gotten deeper, and it definitely and it's kind of weird when you're like, okay, the movies are kind of out of order. I think this definitely sounded like younger Vader. It sounded more closer to A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And I, I think the actor still deserves the credit. It's still them using his performance, not only from Star Wars, but from other movies mm -hmm. to uh, to compile it together. Um, yeah, loving it so far, guys. I hope, uh, I hope that you guys get just as much enjoyment out of it as, as I've gotten. I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting it in a few weeks when uh, in, uh, in two weeks we're going to be talking Dominion, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, but then uh, by the time two episodes from now Kenobi will be finished. So early July, early July, we'll be doing another Kenobi discussion. So y'all be on the lookout for that. Should be, should be a really fun time, but Sean, I appreciate you stepping in at the, at the last second there. I know you were supposed to just hit launch and then go upstairs and be with your family. Yes. Thank so. you for covering for my ass tonight, <laughs> but uh, it's always fun having you on. And I I'm, uh, I'm really excited to be talking House of the Dragon with you in a couple of weeks. That uh, that's going to be launching in in the near future. So if y'all enjoyed the discussions that Sean and I have, then uh, head over and join us in Westeros in a couple of weeks here on the channel. I don't know about you guys. I don't know how uh, people that love multiple fandoms are going to be able to keep up with uh, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, and Andor all being out at the same time in the that's same stretch. Wild. That's insanity i don't know if you've ever had three blockbuster tv shows airing at the exact same time on that level on those budgets it's nuts 
Well, well and, and, and we've all... got right now we've got the boys, we've got Stranger Things, we've got Obi Wan Kenobi right now. Crazy. And for all we know, there may be some Star Trek show that's on in the fall as well because they've been pumping oh, out. And also, Trek. Strange New Worlds has been going on and continues. Yeah, to Stran- yeah, Strange New Worlds is happening over on Paramount right now. So for all we know, we could Man, get something. It's too bad there's nothing on TV these days. I, I can't keep up. I can't. I try, but I can't. Anyways, boys, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Uh, congrats again on uh, eight years. I know it was a couple of weeks ago, and uh, dude, dude yeah. you just hit five thousand subscribers on the channel. Congratulations for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's appreciated. We're putting out a lot of content uh, these days, and I'm already stressing right. about how the hell we're going to keep up with uh, October. Uh, he double hockey sticks, not the other word. My bad. <laughs> Anyways, guys, have a have a great night. You too, man. Thanks again. Well, Ben, it's just you and I then. Um, yeah. let, let's let's talk about Kenobi just a little bit more so we can get some of your thoughts if your nose doesn't fall off before then. Yeah, uh, in case you in case you weren't aware, um, I got a little bit of the con crud, okay? So uh, bear with me. Bear with me. It's going away. It's def- it's not the Rona, thankfully. I got tested for that. That's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of uh a lot of uh, blowing of noses and and a lot of stuff I won't get into because it's gross. Okay, it's very gross. Yeah, um, I've had, I've had that gross for about two weeks now, and I need to go see like just a doc in the box at a care now. Get some sort of a prescription because Mucinex and ibuprofen ain't cutting it. It's oh. just keeping everything at bay, but it's not solving my problems. So I get it. I, I get just, it. I just shook shook too many hands and hugged too many necks. It happens. Oh yeah, you were yeah, you were seeing a lot of people. You were peopling a lot more than I'm comfortable doing. Um, Star Wars celebration, and we're we're gonna get to that as long as your uh, your voice holds out. But um, let let's let's bring up the third ep- the third episode, chapter three of yeah. of Kenobi. They just narrowly escape at the end of the second episode. And things come to a head. Um, and it, <laughs> this was this was funny for me to, to notice. Um, the transport driver, Freck, was voiced by Zach Braff from yep. Scrubs. That kind of threw me for a bit of a loop there. But I really enjoyed their interactions with Freck. And I really enjoyed the scene at the checkpoint before you even get to the town. Because those uh, those laser beams cutting the trooper in half when he fell oh off. Oh my ghost. god! Oh man! You take that and you take Vader force choking innocent civilians until Kenobi reveals himself, and you have got some of the most intense gore related topics that you've seen in Star Wars all wrapped up in one episode. Some of the most horrific star wars storytelling we've ever seen in this one episode um and also some of the most like i don't know relatable and and most like timely i think um and i i liked freck i like freck a lot because i think not that i think he's a good dude i don't think he's a bad dude i think he's just like a middle of the road i think we need characters like him to show Mm -hmm. that like hey not all like we kind of got we've kind of dabbled into not all Imperials are bad type of thing. But I think it's it's important to point out characters like Freck who are true believers. 
Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of order. Nice to meet some some like-minded folks. Like he's so jolly and nice, but he's talking about some really dark stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's how regimes like that are like the empire are are held up is by people like Freck who are just doing their duty, who are just like, hey, this is this is okay, this is normal. And you know, and it's he's not a bad guy, he's just misled he's just like hey you know this is this is the way it is and i believe in this thing and you know it, it helps to uh to to ground you and and also to to remind you say hey you know sometimes not everything we can have good intentions but uh it doesn't always work out yeah well i think too um freck is seeing only a fraction of the empire and what it's capable of and he is only seeing what he chooses to see I feel like there's a lot of other stuff that the Empire does that he just chooses to ignore. Um, and by doing so, all he sees is the the law and order. And all he sees is the the guys that are hitching a ride to their nearest outpost. Like, they know him by name. And they're like, is your transport late again? And they're like, yeah, as usual. All right, well, hop in and meet my new friends. And when they <laughs> disembark, they're like, oh, yeah, thanks, Freck. See you later. Like he's he's friendly like with them. He knows them and and yet um he uh like like you said, he's he's just probably a little disillusioned as to what the Empire truly is and what it's truly capable of. Yeah, he's not like especially being in the alien, um the Empire really doesn't usually like late aliens. Mm-hmm. But uh he hasn't felt the full force of the Empire. He's just like, Hey, it's it's benefiting me and you know. He's. I mean, he's got a homemade, a homemade imperial flag on the back of his truck. I pointed. He is, he is full on empire, man. I pointed. I pointed that out to uh, to my fiance and and told her that doesn't look like it was made. That looks like it was like created. Like that wasn't something he bought at a store. That was something that he made to show that he's on the on the winning side, essentially. So he's uh, yeah. it reminds me of the one moment in Star Wars Rebels where Kanan's like pretending to be drunk and like Ezra's trying to like, and he's like, Empire Day, all hail the glorious Empire. And you know, it's uh, it's like that guy for real. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, our friend George in the chat says, You forgot about Vader snapping the kid's neck when he came outside, Zach. No, I did not forget. I definitely did not forget. Oh, that. no, how could you forget that? kind of hard to forget that type of brutality that's exemplified by vader's character and i don't know if you've seen this meme ben but i'm going to circle back to the neck snapping in a second um but i think one of the one of the other really telling things is some of the subtleties of vader's character that is one of those um it's not directly seen but when you look between the lines it's implied the a uh, trooper that asks for credits in the second episode. Yes. Wears armor that resembles the 501st. Yes. And you're 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 seeing a a clone that has reached a pretty advanced age because of his growth acceleration and he's homeless. He's asking for money just to buy a meal. And I saw a meme that was that was captioning how if Anakin was still around, 
he would not let that happen to his friends. These were his comrades at arms. These were his brothers, more or less. He was joking yeah. with them. He was adventuring with them. He was winning battles with them. This would not happen if Anakin was in charge, but it would happen under Vader's rule. Yeah, it. I saw that meme. I think I might even posted that meme. You probably um, did. I may have. I may have seen it from your retweet or something. For all I know, maybe. But uh, yeah, because I saw that. I think I saw it. Share it around, and I downloaded it and I reposted it today. Mm. Um, really good meme, and I like how it the, the messaging of it is like it shows how much Anakin slash Vader has changed, mm-hmm. and. You know, you go back to the Umbara arc and the Clone Wars, and the and the clones are like, "This guy Corell, he's always in the back. General Skywalker's up in the front. He's the first guy to go into battle. He's there protecting us. He's putting his life on the line for us. They understand how much he cares about the clones. And now you have this poor guy lying in the gutter." asking for credits and it's just so sad but also how far Anakin himself has fallen that he's allowed this atrocity to happen mm-hmm. and then he commits atrocities on Mapuzo circling back to what George was talking about in the chat he gets there and he can sense the presence and I, and I love again this is not something that gets directly spoken but it's another implied thing that when you've seen the series you know exactly what this is supposed to mean contextually before obi-wan even sees vader before he even sees him he senses him yeah. and that sensing a presence goes all the way back to 1977 where the falcon has been captured and Vader looks around and he's like, I sense something. A presence I've not felt since. Da, 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 da. He may have been talking about Mapuzo. He may have been talking about wherever they encounter each other next in this series. A presence that I have not felt since. And then it trails off. The presence that Obi-Wan senses is the same type of heaviness. That spiritual heaviness that Vader senses in A New Hope. And... All it takes is a look of terror on you and McGregor's face for you to start putting the pieces of the puzzle together to figure out that that is what it's alluding to. It's just, oh, the storytelling is so good. And it's and it's a role reversal, really, if you compare this scene to A New Hope. It it's, is. It's Vader getting the drop on Kenobi. In A New Hope, it's Kenobi having control of the situation and kind of slipping past Vader and being like, you didn't see me. And then Vader's like, nah, I saw you. I, I, I felt your presence. And then he goes to Tarkin. And he's like, yeah, I know he's here. I haven't seen him, but I felt his presence. I know, I know that feeling. I know he's here. And Tarkin's like, nah, that guy's already dead. What are you talking about? Oh, man. See, what's funny is I just saw the original Star Wars on a on a big screen on like a replay. Oh, somebody, wow. Somebody had the, like a 77 type film where you don't see the upgraded Mos Eisley like you do oh, in the special edition. Wow. Pre-special edition where Han shoots first and Han shoots only. <laughs> Greedo doesn't even get to fire a shot in this version. There's no conversation with Jabba the Hutt. No McClunky. There's no McClunky. There's none of that. And 
it felt like I had traveled back in time or something. It was so, so fun. Um, but to, to know that there were those hearkenings from 77 implemented in this show was so satisfying. It was so, so satisfying to see those things happen. And then coming back to George's comment, snapping of necks. Like, we've seen him grab people by the throat in a menacing and threatening way. And we've even seen him kill Admiral Ozel and Captain Nita in Empire. But those are Imperials that failed him. These people didn't do anything. They are innocents. They are civilians. And Vader will literally stop at nothing in order to get to Kenobi, in order to draw him out. That is the brutality. Letting a 501st brother be begging in the gutter to killing a minor's child is the extent of evil that Vader has stooped to. Yeah, and like, you know, you go back, I just, talking about Star Wars Celebration, I just got a chance to watch The Siege of Mandalore on a giant screen oh, with a bunch wow. of excited fans, and it was amazing. And there is that moment at the beginning of that where it's like Anakin's all like chummy and and he's like, hey, we need to do this thing, Obi-Wan. And we need to let the, you know, keep stop the people from suffering in the city. We need to save them. And here he is causing the suffering just just to get at Obi-Wan, just to make him angry, get him to draw him out, just to do that, just killing people for no reason. And that's what makes him so great. That's what I think makes Vader such a such a scary villain. That he is so just he will kill, do whatever it takes. And he you if you get in his way, or you don't even have to get in his way, you're probably gonna die. Mm-hmm. And it probably, you know, makes sense that, you know, Obi-Wan's just now finding out about him ten years later because Everybody that's interacted with Vader is probably dead or on his side. Well, and, you know, I think he's lived such a sheltered life that he thought maybe that part of his life was behind him. And and he thought, you know, I've I've killed my brother, but I can still protect his his kid. Like he probably sees Luke or Leia as like his godchildren, essentially. And I, I was touching yeah. on, I was touching on this with Sean before you hopped on, but literally it was Leia's kidnapping that drew him out of his solitude. And I feel like that would be one of the only things that would draw him out of Tatooine. I don't think any other galactic event, I don't think any other atrocity would have pulled him from his protection of Luke, but it was a situation involving Leia and a personal plea from a friend like Bail Organa that actually convinced him to leave his post and go on the adventure that we see in this show. Yeah, it's it's wild, and uh, I see what they were talking about. They they would you know Hayden and all those guys were talking about how angry and violent vader was going to be this is the angriest and the most violent version of the character we've ever seen 
Well, and, I mean, um, you, you saw the way that he used his saber to lash out at Ben. Like, the, the, the choreography is nothing like we saw in Revenge of the Sith. But the, the sparks that fly and the purple hue that glows from the clashing of the red on the blue, right. like, that is just anger. That is just pure, unadulterated hate that is spewing from his his actions there. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to, to see how their fighting styles have evolved. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Any more thoughts on episode three? I know you've talked about Kenobi a lot. You probably talked about it on the SWU a lot. You, you a little bit, a little bit. Person, but just so that there's a few more thoughts for our IPC related listeners, what do you make on the first half of the season, and what did you make of episode three? Um, overall, I've really enjoyed it. I think this is a stellar season of TV so far. We've gone a lot of places in a very short amount of time and True. done a lot. And I appreciate that about a series, any series that can keep the pace going. And it's, I think it's paced very, very well. Um, nothing bothers me more than a show that feels like it's running in place. And Obi-Wan is not doing that at all. Um, and I've really enjoyed that. And I mean, uh, I have a few gripes and complaints about some visuals like that, but like, Plot wise, story wise, like I think it's it's really really great. I love where they're going with this. We're apparently going to Jabin or Jabim, I think his name. Always said Jabim, but it's Jabim. It's from the comics, from the Marvel comics or or uh, not Dark Horse comics, the old school Dark Horse comics um, back in like early two thousands. There's a whole thing with Obi Wan and Anakin, so I don't know if that'll be referenced or whatever, but that's a thing. Um, so that's gonna be interesting next week. Hopefully, maybe there's a rebel base there. Just saying, there there was there was concept art of a rebel base. I think that showed up at one point. Um, so who knows? But uh, enough about the future. What we're talking about now is these first three episodes. I think they're stellar, and I'm really looking forward to you know where this goes. But uh, I don't know. Do are we giving scores? Should I give a score? Yeah, we have been. I, I asked Sean for his score, and I was going to give mine. And we can ask whoever's still watching live with us. I know we got a few people still in the in the chat. A couple of them dropped off after Sean left, and I was like, "Well, thanks. That makes me feel good." Try not to be offended. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> you see, you see, you see this guy's face, and and you're stuck with my face, and you're just like, eh, "I'm out." But yeah, you're not invest unless the boss is around, right? But if it's if it's out of ten. For those of you in the chat and for the guy uh, next to me here, out of 10, what kind of a score would you give the first half of Kenobi? I'll, I think I'll give it the same score I gave it last night. I'll give it a, a 9 out of 10. I have very little to complain about. It really is. It's something. It really is something. All the little bits, everything from, you know, the big broad strokes of, of Leia and, you know, Obi-Wan and Vader to the small details. I love, you know, uh, I love uh, Haja, Haja, I think is his name, um, from the second episode. Um, Riva is amazing character. Um, it's making, it's in, it's an Obi-Wan show, but it's also, I think the supporting cast has been really, really good. Um, and uh, yeah, so. I'm, 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 I'm rather partial to uh, Sung Kang as the fifth brother. 
I like him a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. He he's really growing on me a lot more than I, than I expected, but the the competition that's going on between he and Riva is is something that I'm really looking forward to continuing to watch cuz I I don't think he's going to last. I think it's more meant to be about the third sister, but I'm I'm curious to see um where where it goes between the two of them. Um you know, the more I've talked about it tonight, the the more convinced I am to to bump my score up a little bit. I was coming into tonight ready to give it like a like a 8.5, but I think the the peer pressure and just the the general liveliness of tonight's conversation may be convincing me otherwise. So uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and give it a nine out of 10 also. Um, I'm with Sean that I wish it had a bit more longevity to it. I wish the episodes were a little bit longer. Um, I wish yeah. there were some, some pieces that got expanded on a little more and some pieces that were expanded on a little bit less, but overall um, I'm enjoying the storytelling, the acting, the, the planet exploration, the nods that are happening to the Clone Wars that are happening to the prequels that are happening to the original trilogy. Steven even alluded to the idea that some of the interpretation of Ben Kenobi's character is similar to how Luke behaves in The Last Jedi. So there's even some sequel trilogy uh, connections that are being made. As a whole... Um, this is a this is a very comprehensive and and complete story that's being told with a really really solid cast and some really really fun adventure type stories being told and um, I'm I'm inclined to give it a nine as well. Um, our friend Steven, who's still with us in the chat, is giving it an eight out of ten overall on these first few episodes. But keep in mind, folks. We're only halfway done with this. We've still got another half of this show to watch before we can make any final judgments. And what I'm really curious to see is, do our scores hold up? This is like our mid-season finale type score, but is that score going to hold up moving forward with these final three episodes? So we'll probably have to pull these planet scores back up in a month or so and see take notes if, guys take notes yeah, start taking those notes and be like hmm is it actually gonna stay a nine out of ten for us an eight out of ten for steven or is it gonna be something else when all of it is said and done it could go down and come back up you know i think i think a lot of disney plus series have had you know have some dips and stuff like that not every episode is perfect mm-hmm. um i think obi-wan has been the, one of the strongest so far it has definitely kept my attention and there's no episode so far that I'm like, ah, I don't really like that episode. I'm like, all these episodes have been really, really good. Like, they've all been really good. I have my qualms yep. with them, but overall, they've been really great. Yep. Yep. It's a fair point. Um, before we go into the second half of our show, I want to give a special shout out to the folks that financially contribute to this program, especially Joey Mays and Jesse Bennett. We appreciate your support of this program. Uh, they are both at the shout out friend tier or above. And the, the link to the Patreon is like right around there on the lower third patreon.com slash IPC podcast. If you want to financially contribute to the show, you can, we appreciate anything that you're willing to, uh, to put forward. It helps pay for our hosting platform. It helps 
um, pay for a couple of other things, the occasional movie ticket and things like that. Um, but you can get all kinds of really cool access, uh, exclusive groups, behind the scenes info. Uh, you can influence discussion topics on the show. You can get access to the show notes. You get top billing on top five segments. You have potential to even join the show, depending on schedule availability. So be sure to hit us up at patreon.com slash IPC podcast. Our friend Jesse also has a show called Question Possible Answer. And I'm going to be joining him on that show pretty soon, I hope. Um, He's invited me on. We're just working on getting our schedules together. But over at Question Impossible Answer, we review movies while also trying to incorporate real-world physics into the movie and see how much the story would change. Sometimes it's as simple as, what if this person wasn't in the movie? For more information, check out the socials on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for the words Question Possible Answer, and you can listen to it on your favorite pod catcher. So be sure to check them out. Our friend George sent us a chat saying it's nine out of 10. The only problem I have is with Reva as a character, her arrogance, her anger, arrogance, bleh, and utter contempt for following orders is going to get her killed. Uh, I, I appreciate that there are like some specific characteristics that you are pointing out about Riva as a person rather than Riva for her skin color. Yeah, that, that's nice. That is something that uh, we have to be very, very specific about because of what's transpired recently. Um, not going to get too deep into that because yeah, Sean don't, and I don't just, don't just bit. go out in there and say that you hate, you hate Riva for, mm-hmm. for reasons like be, be specific like ha- have some actual thoughts behind your thing because uh yeah people might assume things because there's a lot of idiots out there there's there's a there's a lot of that stuff and and sean and i touched on it a little bit at the top of the show but i i, I said it before and i'll say it again i have no patience and no tolerance for people that are just being idiots like i i, I don't I don't have time for that in my life. I'm, I'm way too busy to, to put up with the BS that other people are trying to put out there. Um, I'm, I'm not having that conversation, not here, not anywhere. I'm just, I'm, I'm just thankfully, not. thankfully there has been a lot of not just praise because you're welcome to your opinion either way, um, mm. but support for Moses Ingram and the character of Reva um, that has been showing and very much, at least in my timeline, drowning out the the morons. So uh, that that's been good to see. So it's been good to see uh, Star Wars fandom actually overall doing something positive. So uh, keep good. it that way, guys. Yeah, let's keep let's keep that positivity going. Let's put the peace back in intergalactic peace. There you go. Okay, second half of the show going to be a little bit shorter than the elongated Obi Wan Kenobi discussion. Uh, I feel like Ben is about to hack up a hairball. Um, if I'll, not... I'll, I'll, I'm going to power through this, okay? <laughs> I'll try not to die, okay? If we're on the show for too long. Do you do you feel up to giving like a brief recap on the celebration experience? I didn't get to go. I haven't heard a whole lot of stories. What can you tell us about what made this particular celebration so special? You've been to several. What made this one like stand out? Yeah, this was a special one for me. 
Um, and yeah, if I pause in the middle of this, um, just, just stay with me. Okay. I'll be back in a second. Um, but right now I feel good and I'm going to keep talking as much as I can because I have a lot to say and there's a lot to talk about with this specific celebration. I think this is a very special, special celebration for me personally. Um, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was in a way it was a challenging one. There's a lot of going on, but I, it might be one of my favorite celebrations so far. I got to hang out with a lot of really cool people um eric wall i'll give a special shout out to him because he's been on this show he's co-hosted with us more than once i believe he's been with us since the backyard watch days got to hang out and see him for the first time ever which is amazing and uh that was just a ton of fun so seeing him it was great and so many other people and i mean that that was the highlight just being away from everyone for so long um was not cool not great so getting to see everyone again i think was the true highlight of it but we got a lot of really cool things now I'll, I'll try to run through i did make a few notes i'll try to run through kind of each day's kind of big reveals we could talk about them a bit um but you know we got some some really good content i know not everything was streamed um i know you can probably find it somewhere <coughs> cough reddit star wars leaks probably cough but uh you know overall um, I got to see most everything. I got to be in most of the panel rooms, which I was not expecting to do. And by the end, uh, I learned how to work the system and get into the panels that I wanted to. I'm just saying, okay, uh, I will admit nothing here, but stuff happened and uh, it was fun. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just, there was just so much. I mean, uh, you had a lot of teases, even some non-Star Wars things. And some things that I was hoping for, we got. And just overall, it was it was big. It was tiring. I just about died halfway through. Um, Saturday, I was like, I'm not going because I had like plans Saturday night. I'm gonna go do something. I'm like, uh, no, I'm going to go home. And I'm gonna sleep because, uh, yeah. And that's kind of when this whole thing started, um, right? Because you know, I was, I think, I it was, I think it was part of what was brought on by exhaustion. I was. Yeah. so exhausted um yeah. so fun fact this is a thing i'm going to practice in the future about halfway through friday night take the night off go back to your room get some rest because i felt so good sunday after a good night's rest but uh because it's just so much and we did disney and i got my lightsaber blade and it's not here it's on it's being shipped it's on the way but it, just so much happened um i spent way too much money it's embarrassing um and uh but yeah and I really want to go run through this really quickly um, because there is a lot of stuff. Um, some things that I think everyone has seen by now is the uh, on Thursday we had the Lucasfilm showcase panel. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things they showed us, I think, was the Andor trailer. Yeah. And that was amazing. You got to see this, right? I saw Andor. Uh, I saw some descriptions for Willow and Skeleton Crew and a promo image for Indy 5. The big one that uh, seems to have not been able to get out, except for maybe some parts of Reddit, was um, a look at Mando Season 3. So um, let, let's talk a little bit about the Andor trailer, and then I want to hear from from you, from the guy who was there, uh, I want to hear some more about Mando season three. Also, Sean isn't here in the video with us, but I remember him saying at a different time 
that the Andor trailer surprised him in a very good way. Me too. Because there wasn't a whole lot to go off of from it, but he said it reminded him the most of Game of Thrones than anything else, which to him is kind of the gold standard. Game of Thrones for him is like the gold standard. And for Andor to give him Game of Thrones vibes was a very pleasant surprise. And so just hearing that alone, coupled with the excitement that I've heard about from it, from Diego Luna himself and Star Wars Twitter, I'm a little bit more hyped for it now, too. And I really wasn't going in. Yeah, it's very visually stunning. I mean, there was a lot of visuals in that trailer, not a whole lot of dialogue, um, at least none that really made sense to me. Because um, you had the old lady at the end, like saying, There's a record. And I'm like, What does that mean? Um, but then, you know, it's just so abstract in a way. You have the, the opening scene is a guy in a bell tower and he's going to freaking drum on this thing. And you're like, I have no idea what's going on, but this looks amazing. Um, and then there's just like these stark colors, is these bright white environments and all these white clothes. And Mon Mothman looks amazing. Um, so many different things in there. Um, and I was I was definitely surprised by that trailer. I'm glad I'm glad that they released it because, in my opinion, it's the best trailer they released during Celebration. Um, not to say the Mandalorian season three trailer wasn't pretty good, and that Bad Batch trailer was really good, and you know all that stuff. But Andor was like, whoa! I was not expecting that at all, and really looking forward to that. And it's not very far away. We're getting it in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that it was coming like the first episode is late August, right? I think it's I think it's late August. I know he's about to cough, so I'm asking him questions when he's got to when he's got to take care of what what nature tells him he's got to take care of. But um, Andor, I believe, is like late August, and then early September you're going to be getting the the Lord of the Rings uh, TV show. We're going right. to be having a lot this this fall, um, which is both exciting and terrifying because I'm going to be working. Uh, I'm going to be getting married. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing a lot this, this fall and uh, trying to keep up with TV is probably in the lower on the totem pole than I'd like it to be. But uh, having, having game of Thrones, having Andor and having um, Lord of the Rings, that's going to be a, a really big one, two, three punch for viewing this fall. Oh, and I forgot to mention um the one of the biggest highlights from Celebration the whole weekend was I met Steven Schinder. You saw him met, in the flesh. You I, I proved him. that he's a human being that exists in real life. He's, he's not, not just he's an not, avatar on the internet. He's not a troll or somebody from a parallel universe. That's crazy. It says I saw Ben briefly. He's in the chat with us still. It said I saw him briefly, but forgot what we said exactly. Do you do you recollect what what was? What I was don't that? either. We were we were going into the Rancho Obi Wan thing, and we we're like, "Hey, bye." <laughs> <laughs> we saw each other. It's all that matters. You you saw each other. That's the that's the important part. You saw each other. Okay, if if you can hold off coughing long enough, what can you tell us? about Mando season three. I, I heard Ooh, yeah. that I heard through the grapevine that there was a scene on Mandalore itself or, or a I'll, brief shot or sequence. I think I've seen the trailer three times because I went to two different panels and then they showed us an extended teaser at the Mando Plus panel on Saturday. So it's kind of in my memory better than a lot of them, but I'm still going off memory. Um, 
basically we got um Bo-Katan on like a throne and like another planet. Doesn't seem to be Mandalore, maybe it's another planet. Um we got what looks like the like there's like that just like this flyover thing with like some ruins. I didn't recognize them at first and I was like, wait, what is that? Looks like Death Star 2. No, it's the ruins of Sundari from Mandalore. It's the oh. big dome, but like the dome is gone, and they're like, there's just crash remnants left, and it's Mando Ooh, yeah. going going there. He's going to Mandalore. That's the big tease nice. here is that Dinjarin and Grogu are going to Mandalore, which is really interesting. Um, nice. there's a lot of Mandalorians, like a ton of Mandalorians, like like the levels that you saw in like Rebels and Clone Wars, like there's that many Mandalorians in this show. Like it's crazy. Please. Yeah, like tons. All different armor, stuff like that. Um, trying to think what else. And actually, actually, like I'm sure there's a, a bootleg version of it somewhere. Probably. But, um, but uh, and then there's yeah, I, a doctor. I, I like hearing it from in the flesh though, because there, there's always something different about being part of an exclusive group that actually got to witness it with your own eyes, you know? Right. And then uh, there's uh, Dr. Pershing um, from, he's kind of in plain clothes, kind of seemingly undercover. Don't know who, what he's doing, but he's out and about doing stuff. Hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. Just a lot of really kind of flashes and stuff. Oh, there's some Babu Fricks. There's like Babu Frick from Francis Skybark. There's a bunch oh. of them. Like a whole family of Babu Fricks. I don't know what they're doing. Interesting. And then there's a whole tree full of Kawaki monkey lizards. I remember that. Oh, like, man. They're all, like, they're all like, looking down and like, laughing at people. Like, <laughs> Wow, okay. And then uh, Navarro is like really souped up now. Like it's really like fancy, smancy, and uh, Grief Karga has an even fancier uniform. Yeah, they keep giving him upgrades, basically. Like he, he, he keeps getting suit and uniform upgrades whoever is in control of his character is is spending all of their gameplay chits on new clothing and new apparel for him but that's uh <laughs> that, that's exciting to hear man like watching the dinjarin scenes in book of boba fett it, it seemed kind of obvious that they were alluding to a potential return to mandalore he says how can i atone that kind of thing and you know you have to go to mandalore proper and you know, it, it, it almost sounded then that, like, maybe it was an abandoned planet. Maybe there was nothing left. But um, from the sound of it, maybe there's more to it than meets the eye. Maybe there's more to it than what the Mandalorians are letting the Empire know about them, perhaps. And right. uh, and, and the prospect of him having to meet Bo-Katan uh, over, you know, stewardship of the Saber. That's, that's all going to be playing into this into this season and and i'm i'm here for all of it yeah it it definitely um and also there's a line where like they're in a cave and then like bo-katan meets grogu and she's like did you you, did you know your dad wasn't the only mandalorian hmm yeah because he hasn't really seen very many others not not a whole lot i just love that she called him dad yeah that too that too it, family is what you choose it to be, not always what you're born into. What can you tell us? I know there's probably not much, but what what got discussed about Skeleton Crew, if anything? Okay, so they didn't talk a whole lot about it. They kind of brought John Watts and the other guy who I'm forgetting his name out. 
Um, they basically said that it's kind of a, a bunch of kids kind of lost in space. It is set during the time of the Mandalorian. So assuming that, that there will be a crossover between Skeleton Crew and Ahsoka and Mandalorian, all those shows. Um, and Jude Law is in it. And so that's really all they told us. And they gave us the title, which was more than I thought they would give us, honestly. But uh, hmm. yeah, it's you know per- written and directed by John Watts. So uh, after Spider Man, he's going over to Star Wars. So I'm, I'm 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 interested. Interesting. And and honestly, you know, having John Watts from Spider Man and having Jude Law from Fantastic Beasts coming and working on a Star Wars project, uh, it that doesn't sound too terrible so i'm i'm rather <laughs> i'm rather intrigued to to see what that what that turns out to be i i heard that it's going to have kids in it but isn't written or geared towards kids so it may be like a stranger things type of vibe where it's accessible to all ages but has like a younger cast with like a coming of age type of storyline if it's meant to cross over and it is in the same time period as Mandalorian, I would expect a similar tone and feel to Mandalorian mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. all those shows. It's kind of kind of we're calling it the Mandoverse, but it really is. I think it's kind of like the MCU in, in regards to like everything's going to be kind of similar, different, but also very similar in a way so that when they cross over, there's no uh, there's no uh, no any, no problems. You don't have a whole lot listed for Friday, mostly just Young Jedi Adventures and Jedi Survivor. Um, yeah, because I don't think we didn't have a big panel on Friday. There was a, a panel for uh, Light and Magic, which is a upcoming docu-series uh, done by Lawrence Kasdan. And I believe okay. Ron Howard's in it. I went to that panel. They didn't. I mean, it wasn't like big news it was just like they're talking about it it was fascinating because they they're all you know big people behind the scenes working there for you know 40 50 years at industrial light magic you had ron howard and and uh joe johnston and dennis murin and all those guys it was fun to sit back and listen to them talk but no big reveals it's i think it's coming out in a couple months on disney plus so definitely like from what i heard it's it's gonna be a really great series definitely check that out um young jedi adventures I know nothing about this because they didn't announce this at a panel. Neither one of these things, Jedi Survivor, we were doing something else. <laughs> and they just Uh-oh. dropped that trailer. I'm like, there wasn't a gaming panel. What are they doing? Like, I remember just like watching the trailer. I'm like, why would they drop the trailer? Like, what wouldn't they do that at a panel? Like, what does this mean? So um, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but uh, we didn't really have any big panel reveals on Friday. It was mostly just that, unless I'm just completely missing something. I I would know. I was there. Steven in the chat says they also had the 20th anniversary panel of Attack of the Clones on Friday. But um... okay, see that was again not necessarily newsworthy, but amazing, amazing panel. If you get a chance to like, I think it was on the live stream. Go watch that panel. Tim Morrison was on fire. He was so good, and he was just like, and then he gets on stage, and everyone's like. Do like a like a bantha, like a bantha, and he just starts doing it. He's like, and Matt Wood's like, dude, you got to do it now. You got to do the meme. And he <laughs> he does it, and then right later he revealed that that was actually uh, improvised. That that wasn't in the script. He made that up on the spot. <laughs> um, or he could be lying and trying to take credit for it. Who knows? It, maybe. But, uh, 
but he he but according to the official word from Tim Morrison, is it like a bantha? The classic meme was completely made up on the spot. That's hilarious. I, I love seeing people like in their true form, like getting to be their whole complete selves. And to go from 20 years ago being Django Fett in Attack of the Clones to now getting to circle back and be like his successor, be Boba Fett. Like he is, he's, and did they CGI him into, um, into Kenobi or did he actually shoot a scene with Ewan also as one of the troopers? See, I assume they had him on set. I don't know. They didn't talk about it. It was so mm-hmm. new. I think they were scared to talk about any spoilers related to Kenobi because mm-hmm. it just came True. out the previous day. True. But uh, I would have loved to have heard his thoughts on that. But yeah. I think every, no one, no one on any of the panels was willing to talk about Kenobi because it was because there were a lot of people, not a, a lot of mixed company. Even though we had a f- free screening there at the thing, anybody could go to it. Um, you know, didn't want to spoil it for anybody. Um, what it did you did you catch much about Jedi Survivor? I know our gaming fans out there are going to be really interested about it. The folks over at Outer Rim Transmissions, like Star Raptor, are probably going to go into way more depth than we will because they're just more into gaming than we are. Um, but what what did you pick up on from Jedi Survivor? It's a it's a follow up. It's a sequel. Um, does it does it seem like it's going to follow a similar format and a similar story, or is it going to go a different direction? Well, there was talk early on, or at least a few months ago, that you know maybe it could be different character. Doesn't necessarily. They were calling it Jedi Fallen, the the Star Wars Jedi franchise. So it wasn't necessarily. So people were speculating that maybe it won't be just about Cal Kestis. It could be about some other characters. Mm. Um, but I I speculated right back that I'm like, Cal Kestis is such a beloved character. Why would you get rid of him? And right. they 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 took my advice. They took my advice. They knew what I was right. Um, yeah. So uh, you got Cal Kestis back. You got B- BD One back. Um, you know, seems like a true sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. Um, there's a giant powing guy in there doing some stuff. I actually haven't even watched the trailer fully, but I know th- I, I saw some of the imagery. And then there's someone with a red lightsaber. Don't know what's going on there. Um, I know our pal Dan Grievous thinks that the survivor is Mace Windu. So that's like the most intriguing theory I've heard about the whole thing. Um, but I don't think the trailer gave us a whole lot in regards to this. I think it's coming out next year. Um, but, you know, it's good to have confirmation. I'm glad they got, dropped it during celebration. People were able to talk about it and do all kinds of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it looks, it looks really good. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about Saturday. Yeah. Um, the, the, the two big ones. I mean, we talked about the Mando trailer a little bit. Um Tales of the Jedi, and then they had an Ahsoka panel, and even though it's been filming for only like three weeks, they they gave some info on on Ahsoka. Um, I'm I'm inclined to talk more about Ahsoka than I am Tales of the Jedi. I'm intrigued by it, especially its its Clone Wars style animation and the fact that Qui Gon Jinn's going to be one of the storylines that gets focused on. Um, but what what stood out to you from from those two pieces, Ahsoka and Tales of the Jedi? Okay, so basically what happened on Friday is uh, the first big panel of the day was the Mando Plus panel. And okay. so they got the the whole cast of Mandalorian, and of course you got Tim Morrison again back, so representing Boca Boba Fett. And then they brought out – well, at first they showed the trailer again with more footage. So there's like a secret 
Mandalorian trailer, Mandalorian season three trailer. Then there's another secret Mandalorian season three trailer with additional footage, and they haven't released either of them. But uh, oh, it's coming back. Uh oh. Um. So and then towards the end of the panel, they brought up uh Rosario Dawson for Ahsoka. Um. Previously, she has sent a little video message from the set. Um. Uh, on Thursday, saying that she couldn't be there, but she was doing some stuff on set. But then they said, "Hey, we got her back." Um, so she was on the stage for that, and then they introduce Natasha Liu Bordizo, who is going to be playing uh, Sabine Wren. And I think before that, they actually showed a little bit of footage, no special effects, nothing, just basically some shots um, of kind of like a like a temple or something like that. Ahsoka going to going through there. There's some interior shots of what looks like a, the T six shuttle. If you remember from the end of rebels, there's a ship that Sabine and Ahsoka fly off in at the very end. It's that ship. So you see the inside of it. There's another ship interior. And then there's someone that looks and looks and is dressed very suspiciously like Harrison Dula. And oh. and then at the end of the trailer, you see the mural from the end of Rebels, but it's live action. And then Sabine a, walks. It's a, it's a real mural. It's a real mural taken from the animated show. It's the exact that, same mural. And cool. Sabine walks into frame, and you can see her like she's a live action character, and she's standing there, and you only see the back of her head, but you can tell it's Sabine. And then uh, uh, one second. Uh oh. Uh oh, he got so close. He got, he came so so close. Oh, this is great television for those of you watching on your on your devices. Ben just kind of haunched over. We don't know if he's coughing or barfing. It's one of those. <laughs> one second, he says. Oh, dude, we're almost done. I promise. We're we're gonna we're gonna I get survived. We're gonna we're gonna get through this and then a little bit of Sunday. I have then... so much to say. This is really pissing me off because I have so many things to say. Mm, but um, but before it was over, they uh, brought out Chopper. Seemingly confirmed that he's in the show too. Yeah, um, I heard. Like, I heard different, that. I saw. I saw. Pic- like, saw pictures. Yeah, and he was like very animated, like a different kind of live action Chopper. Um, his hmm. head kind of wobbled around, and he had the thing. It was very much like, okay, this is the one they use in the show. Like, it's this is the real thing. Mm-hmm. And then they actually brought out Grogu. <laughs> he was on the table. He was like the ninth or tenth guest, and the real Grogu. He's just sitting there, and like Favreau brings him up and puts him on the table, and he's then he's just waving around at everybody. And Je- Favreau's like, "Hey, sit down," and he just sits down and. And it's just like the whole crowd is just like freaking losing their minds because it's Grogu. <laughs> just That's insane. Awesome. But uh, yeah, that was that was the Ando Plus panel. That was everything there. And so we got a lot of footage there. And uh, I don't know. You have anything to add to that? <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm I'm excited that it's that it's happening. I'm excited that they that they gave a little bit of a tease. Um, I guess I'm. I'm nervous because there were a lot of concepts from rebels that felt like they only translated well in animated form. And I'm curious 
to see how they'll try and translate it into live action. Obviously, Sabine and Ahsoka and Hera are probably like the three easiest characters to translate to live action. Right. Chopper is one of the easiest to translate to live action. But like what outside of Grand Admiral Thrawn is the story going to be about? How does it incorporate into the Mandoverse? Is this like a like a prelude to a Defenders style Star Wars TV storytelling where we get Skeleton Crew, we get Ahsoka, we get Mando, we get Boba, we get, you know, maybe one other show that's out there somewhere. And then we get something where they all kind of cross over and they all kind of come together kind of like they did with uh, with the Defenders on Netflix. Um, don't know if that'll be a good thing or if that'll be a not good thing, but uh, I saw that she got some elongated Leku as well. Did they touch on that any during the panel? They didn't talk about that at all, but uh, yeah, you, you definitely notice, if you, if you see the comparison photos, there's definitely some lengthening to her her head tails and i'm i'm glad that they're taking notice of that kind of thing because like that that to me is right up there with the people from sonic taking notice of the comments talking about the sonic character design that's like hey this could be better and i don't think there were a whole lot of people that were like super pissed off about the way ahsoka looked in mando but the fact that they're taking those comments to heart and trying to improve upon it is something that I really respect. So yeah, um, I'm glad that they're listening to to those people. Really quickly, I've, I went and found the IMDb of uh, Natasha Lou Bordizo. She is a actress born in 1994, so she's about as old as I am. I was born in '93. Um, she's younger than me. Jeez. Born in, born in Australia, and um, really, I, I haven't really noticed anything that is stuff that I recognize her from, but her acting career on IMDb didn't start until like 2016, 2017, so she's fairly new to the acting scene in general, and she was in a TV series called The Society, and she was in a TV series, like a TV short series called Most Dangerous Game. Most recently was in something called The Voyeurs, and she's got some new releases called Day Shift and Heroes of the Golden Masks that is finished but not released yet. And then her most recent acting credit is Ahsoka. So I think she's only got like 16 total credits on IMDb. Wow. So she's very new to the scene, but she won the role of Sabine, and I'm curious to see where that goes. Yeah, and they seemingly, Filoni kind of hinted around it, like, cause a lot of people have drawn, you know, have asked the questions about, you know, Tia Sarkar is right there. Mm -hmm. Just use her. She's and an on-screen actress. She's you know, done on both, she's done both live action and voice work. You can't just claim her to be just a voice actress because she had a role on The Good Place, which was a live action TV show. Right. So yeah. she does. So, so and, and Floyd kind of talked about it a little bit. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was seemingly in response to those people going like, okay, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Um and I was one of those people. I was like, hey, why are you not doing Tia? But at the same time, I look at Natasha and I'm like, Yeah, she does look a lot like Sabine. I could see her give her 
purple hair and Mandalorian armor, she can do Sabine. So, like, I'm reserving judgment. I was one of those people like, why not do Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka? And then I saw Rosario Dawson. I'm like, okay, I I, I accept it. I accept it. (laughs) It's like, that's why. I'm not uh, not prejudging right now. I'm just kind of going with the flow and uh, seeing how it is. But it seemed like they're they're really, I think Filoni's really taking it seriously and being aware of where the fans are coming from. And the timeline for that is like, I believe, spring of next year, I think is what I saw. They're gonna do... uh, yeah, because it's filming right now, literally right now. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, no, wait, Mando is spring of next year, isn't it? Mando's like February. No, Man- Mando is February. Mando is definitely yeah. coming February. Well, okay, in Texas, that's spring. <laughs> Fair enough. In, in Texas, spring starts February 1st. <laughs> but... If the Andor show is in the fall and Mando is in February, then I wouldn't expect Ahsoka until probably summer of next year then. That makes sense. Because considering they've only been filming for like a month, there's a lot of filming to do. There's a lot of post-production to do. And then you've got to do the last minute touches and you got to do the promotions and stuff. And you got to make sure it's not overlapping with other Star Wars content. So... Uh, I feel like we may expect it around Star Wars Day or something like that, like like summer, like like late spring, early summer would be the soonest I would expect it. They're definitely ramping things up. We're gonna have we're have a pretty full year this year, but definitely next year is gonna be really full. Mm-hmm. Because we're getting the Bad Batch this fall too, aren't we? Right. Yeah. So that's coming this fall so that's that's coming that's coming coming this fall so it'll probably be overlapping with andor a little bit won't it yeah or imagine because andor is like 12 episodes Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm so it'll be it'll be interesting to see but that that kind of leads us into the the last day of some of the big celebrations reveals uh star wars visions volume two if i'm being honest i never finished volume one and i kind of need to um, there were definitely a few that I really, really appreciated and enjoyed, but there are some some big time animators from some big name studios that are going to be a part of volume two. And I even heard that there were some producers and animators and directors from Brazil that were going to be a part of Visions volume two. And so the uh, the, inter- the international exposure is going to go beyond just. Uh, just Japan and and some of those stereotypical places, but it's it's going to some some very creative countries and some very creative people this season as well. Yeah, I'm I, I enjoyed Visions, um, Volume One, so I'm I'm really looking forward to Season Two and seeing what happens there. Um, I did not go to that panel, so I, I didn't get all the details. Um, How dare you? You were there in person and you didn't attend everything. I had a previous engagement, okay? CJ Mandalore was right there. I had made a choice. Nah, it's all good. I probably would have made that choice too. I love the CJ Mandalore arc. And... But okay, okay, we did skip something really quick. I need to I need to go back. Mm-hmm. So, Tales of the Jedi. Okay. How much, how much do you know about this? Uh, I know that it's in the Clone Wars animation style because I saw some concept art of Count Dooku with a blue lightsaber. And I know that Liam Neeson is confirmed to be reprising the role of Qui-Gon. And that means that there's going to be like a younger version of Qui-Gon and then an adult version of Qui-Gon, possibly some sort of connection between Qui-Gon as Dooku's apprentice, as a Jedi, that type of thing. Right. Um, 
all all I know is it's like kind of pre episode one type content in the style of the Clone Wars. That's about all I know. Yeah, Tales of the Jedi. The reason I don't want to skip it is because Loki is like one of the things I'm most excited about from Celebration. Oh, really? Um, because that was a great panel. Um, they showed us the first episode of Tales of the Jedi. Um, you saw a so, whole ass episode. Whole ass episode. So how long I, are they? Are they like the length of Clone Wars episode? 15, 20 minutes. So not okay. not not as long as Clone Wars, um, but more more along the lines of a short. Kind of like kind of like what Visions does. Right, right, something like that. Um, okay. But basically, it's from what I understand, and I, like I said, I, I'm kind of going off of my memory and all this kind of stuff. There's three Ahsoka's episodes and three Count Dooku episodes. And you're right. Liam Neeson is back as uh, Qui-Gon. Liam okay. Neeson's son is playing young Qui-Gon. So oh, that's, that's cool. interesting. That's cool. Um, seems to be that one of the Ahsoka episodes is about her maybe acquiring. There's a story about her acquiring her lightsabers from a, an Inquisitor and her fighting against an Inquisitor at some point. Um, <clears throat> there's They showed a trailer, and it was a bunch of stuff. It was uh, Yaddle fighting Dooku and all kinds of wild stuff. Um, the first episode is about Ahsoka, and it's baby Ahsoka. This is, for those of you who know the story, you know Ahsoka is taken as a toddler by Pl- Plo Koon, is chosen as a Jedi. This mm-hmm. is prior to that. We see the very beginning of Ahsoka. This is the this is day one Ahsoka, and then up to a year old Ahsoka, and it's just a little kind of story. It's just kind of a w- very withdrawn. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of dialogue, just very emotional, very, uh, very just kind of spiritual in a way. Um, I forget her name. Um, uh, I forget who's actually voicing her. Um, uh, it's Aiden Versio from uh, from uh, why am I? Janina Gavankar. How did I forget her name? Janina Gavankar is playing, is voicing Ahsoka's mother. Um, so we get a big character out of Ahsoka's mother. Um, and there's a whole story there. And it doesn't even go up to when she's taken as a Jedi. It's purely on Sheely, where she's a year old. Um, but then there's other stuff happening. And yeah, it's 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 pretty wild. So this is the thing that I'm like. I came out of that panel going like, because we didn't know nothing. They didn't tell us anything aboard. They just said, Tales of the Jedi, be there. And we were there. And <laughs> uh, they ended up showing us an episode and a little trailer, and it looks spectacular. It's The animation style is as good or better than Bad Batch and Clone Wars. Um, it's really, really good. So uh, so I'm very much looking forward to it. seems like Corey Burton is back as Count Dooku, um, and there's a lot of other stuff going on that's just wild. Dooku's handle with a blue saber was the thing that drew me in. I was I was looking at that going, wow, I've I've kind of always wanted to see Dooku as a Jedi. And I've I've always kind of wanted to see what kind of a relationship he has with Qui-Gon. And maybe it gets touched on in books, maybe it doesn't. I, I don't know. I'm not as enmeshed in the books as I used to be. Um Honestly, the last book I read from cover to cover was probably Jurassic Park back in 2014. Like, I didn't even read my textbook. 
I didn't even read my textbooks in grad school from cover to cover. I just read the stuff that was important. So, like, I, I, I need to get back into reading books and reading comics and stuff. I just... I've got other things on my plate and you know how that is because you've got other things on your plate too. And so trying to get all of that to come together and to, to work out the way you want it to, isn't an easy accomplishment. Right. uh, Okay. So, so back to where we left off bad batch season two. Yeah. That was also a great panel. Got to be in the room for that. Got to see uh, Filoni. Um, He actually just introduced the panel. He'd actually come out and, do that he was mostly given the spotlight to the actual creators of the show which was cool. great and uh they talked a lot about the show they had uh a michelle ang who plays omega and they had mm-hmm. d bradley baker who plays things and they did like a whole routine they did like a table read and and did a whole scene from season one just on stage it was amazing That's um, cool. d bradley baker cannot help himself he is all the clones at once so much so that David Collins was like, hey, what does Echo think about this? And he would just go into character. He would just go off. And wow. he would not stop. He would switch between Wrecker and and Rex and Tech and Echo and all of them. Um, and it's just amazing. Um, and, and also Michelle Ang is like 100% Omega. There's no – she doesn't change her voice. And like no, that. She's no getting into that character. character. She's, just, she's just reading the lines from her own voice. She's just 100% that character. But that wow. was nice. And they showed the trailer. They showed us a little clip, and they showed us the trailer. And if you see the trailers and trailer online, it's different. It's drastically different than the one they showed to us Ooh. in the room. And the one scene that they left out – actually, most of the footage is in there. just jumbled up in a different way. The one okay. scene that they left out – in there is a scene between uh, uh, Crosshair and Commander Cody. So Commander oh. Cody is going to be showing up in season two, and he's having some doubts. He's like, "What's what's going on? What's all this? What's what's the point of all this?" He's he's very doubtful about the Empire and, and what's going on. So he's Commander Cody, the true believer, the one who betrayed Obi Wan, is is not even on board with the Empire, which is cool. Well, I mean, that, that kind of harkens back to some of the stuff that we saw in the Umbara arc, where they're like, someday this war is going to end, and what's going to happen afterwards? Well, the war is over, and this is what's happening afterwards, and maybe the clones aren't as on board with it as they thought they were going to be. So, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that they are fleshing that out a little bit. And, um, and also, Gunji lives! What? Gunji lives! Really? Gunji is back. The younglings are back. That Wookiee that, Jedi is back. That 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 was who it was. It wasn't somebody else. I mean, who else could it be? Come on. I, I who else? I don't know, but like I I know that I saw a, a, a Wookiee Jedi, but I just I had a hard time believing. But I guess considering what we saw in the prologue of the Kenobi series, there were some younglings that made it out, but I guess I just assume that the younglings that did make it out were the ones that got mm, groomed into becoming inquisitors. So I, I just, I, hmm. I, Someone I actually looked at the trailer and said they might've seen a grown up Petro in there too. So I'm assuming we'll see more than one youngling. Maybe. I, I mean, honestly, I don't hate the idea. I mean, I was a little taken aback by seeing a young Caleb doom in the first episode. But it didn't like 
ruined the show for me. So this feels very much like an extension of my favorite show as a child. You know, like I'm basically getting more Clone Wars just under a different title, under a different name. And I'm okay with that. I'm I'm very on board with having more of the Bad Batch, having more tie-ins to the Clone Wars, the preludes that it could have to Rebels. Like, could we end up seeing a very young Sabine at some point or something? Who knows? We've seen her mother already. We saw her in Clone Wars, so, you know, could be. It's not, it's not impossible. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, Clone Wars, I love Clone Wars, my favorite TV show of all time, but one of its flaws was that it introduced a lot of things, looking at you, Clonezilla Beast, and uh, it didn't follow up on them because it would wait, you know, two or three seasons, and then the show got unexpectedly canceled and whatever else. Also, I will say, there was a beast in the trailer looking remarkably like a Zilla Beast. So it makes me wonder really making me wonder that they might be bringing that back too. And the reason we don't see it in something like Rebels or Empire is because the Bad Batch is able to take care of it before it reaches that point. I mean, the Empire having technology for impenetrable armor, like that's a that's a big thing to have out there. Seems like the Bad Batch needs to t- come in and take care of that. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm on board with that because there's enough potential in there for like at least another two seasons, probably two, maybe even three seasons, depending on how they want to take the story and how they want it to to grow and develop. So I'm 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 interested. Okay, um, let's do like a like a celebration recap. How. How was your experience? How was IHOP and which piece of Star Wars related content excited you the most? Um, overall, Celebration was amazing. Uh, IHOP was especially amazing. Um, we're definitely doing that again. Um, there was kind of a collective agreement among us that like, yeah, that was probably the best thing we've ever done in our lives. Yeah. Um, and it's weird to say that, saying that, talking about an IHOP, but I think it was true. It was just so much fun. And thanks to everyone who, who came out to that. That was really special. Um, and then I, I mean, like Andor is really good. I'm going to, I'm going to still go back to Tales of the Jedi. I cannot wait for that, man. It looks really good. Well, I am I'm jealous that you guys got to experience all that. Chris was in the chat a little bit earlier saying that uh, y'all missed having me there. I missed being there, but, you know, trying to get time off of work and trying to get the finances in order and get all of that stuff put together. Just a little bit too tough for me to be able to swing this time around, but I was definitely following along with all the stuff you guys were doing, and it was it was fun to watch and, and kind of live through vicariously so um you know i probably can't make any promises about england next year because they've already totally understandable that's where the next celebration is supposed to happen is uh, across the pond but uh if it comes back to the states in 2024 who knows uh, i'll be a married man by then hopefully working a different job by then so uh maybe circumstances will be a little bit better than what we've had recently so glad you guys had a great time and uh, i'm looking forward to whenever 
that uh, that next opportunity may come up because honestly, I haven't seen you guys since since before COVID shut everything down back in December of 2019. I saw I saw you more recently last year. Right, was the end of the year when we swung by and had dinner, but haven't seen the crew very much uh, since then. A but long time ago. But that is kind of appropriate for our next segment because the last time I saw you, we had a big barbecue dinner. And uh, our last segment of the evening is the segment that has stood the test of time. We're on episode 348 now, and we've probably discussed it 345, 346 times prior. We've had to forego it every now and then just for the sake of time. But uh, for those of you who know, you know that it's time to get out those hashtags and put them in the chat, put them on social media, and join us along for another edition of hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 We used to have special music for that, but we can't really do it now that we're live on uh, on YouTube. But maybe maybe eventually we'll find a way to, to bring it back around because I was kind of proud of that uh, that barbecue segment back in the day. But um, yeah, man, look, I, look, I, I if they're listening to the, the audio version, they're still hearing it. Oh, really? You're still throwing it in there, huh? Of course I would. I wouldn't miss that. I'm uh, I, I'm I'm so far behind on like my my Podbean listens to stuff that I don't even I don't even catch those those little nods. Um, by the way, my I, I I don't know if if you caught on to this, but I accidentally used our IPC Podbean account to sign up for a couple of podcasts that I wanted to listen to. Oh, personally. So if you get notifications about a new girl podcast <laughs> dropping a new episode, <laughs> um, that's that's, that's that's me. I apologize. I <laughs> I, I'm I haven't seen that yet, but I'm gonna look for it now. I am obsessed with those TV show recap podcasts that have the actual cast members going back and doing the watch throughs and then discussing them on the podcast. I've got one for New Girl. I've got one for Parks and Rec. My fiance sometimes listens to one that does it for episodes of The Office. It's called the Office Ladies Podcast. And so um, that's kind of been my guilty pleasure when I'm driving around for work these days. But I totally spaced and forgot to open a new Podbean account. And I accidentally hit subscribe using the IPC profile. So um, that that's just a thing. But Barbecue Watch. We're not talking about New Girl. We're talking about barbecue and... Uh, You've been traveling around a lot. You uh, you went up to uh, Kentucky. You went up to Indianapolis. You flew out to California. What have some of your barbecue-related experiences been on your travels, my friend? I had a few, actually. I'm going to stick to one tonight because my voice is going to yeah. go any moment now. <clears throat> but also, I want to string you lies along. And, and uh, sometimes where you don't have a topic... And I have a couple in my mind. One happened more recently, but uh, this one tonight I'm going to talk about is uh, happened at uh, Churchill Downs. For those who don't know, this is uh, 
This is in Kentucky, uh, where the Kentucky Derby is held every year. Um, I've actually been here before, but not to this extent. There's a whole museum and everything like that. There's really cool. Um, completely just weird to do it on the way to Star Wars Celebration because couldn't be more unrelated, but uh, still very, very cool to see. And uh, they have a little restaurant there. And it's Kentucky, still the South. You know, they're very proud of the barbecue. So there was a barbecue pulled pork sandwich on the menu at the little cafe. And I'm like, okay, why not? I don't really want a burger or whatever else they were serving. I'll do a pulled pork sandwich. So I order it. And uh, I actually posted a picture of it in the uh, uh, Intergalactic Peace Hangout group. You can see it yeah, for yourself. I saw that. I saw that. It was very classy. Very classy. classy. The, the plating had like a, a blend of like a, a uh, what is it, a, a auditorium, a stadium type of venue with like the, the checkered. Uh, right. Paper kind of reminded me of like what you would get a corny dog or a hot dog at a baseball game with or something. Um, but the the plating and the arrangement of the food also looked very upscale, very neatly stacked. And then there's like a pickle next to it. And like I can't remember what there's some kind of little salad or whatever next to it. Um, and at the first barbecue pork, pork sandwich I've ever had that was on like. Like bread, like actual bread. <laughs> What's like, like a like a loaf of bread or maybe a, a roll or something? I gotta go back and look at this this delicacy now because like I would just assume that sandwiches are on bread. That's kind of the way it works. So now I gotta I gotta go look at this again. So intergalactic peace hangout. By the way, go join that group if you haven't yet. Um, just it's it's part of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. We do a lot of announcements and memes and stuff like that. And whenever we're doing barbecue updates, you'll find it there as well. So go to IPC Podcast on our socials, and then go to um, the Intergalactic Peace Hangout. I'm seeing it now. Um, now oh, I know I, that sounded weird. Bread. You think okay? Yeah. yeah Horses on bread. But I'm I usually sourdough maybe. Yeah, it's like a toasted like bread. It's not like a bun. It's not like a your standard like dome topped bun. Almost like a grilled cheese sandwich type of like bread. a like a club sandwich like that, and it's mashed mm-hmm. down to not flat, but you know to a relatively small size. Um, yeah. grilled probably they put it on a grill and put a little thing on top of it um, to grill it. And uh, there's things. Not a lot of barbecue sauce that I could taste in there. I'm assuming there were some in there because they wouldn't be calling it barbecue. Um, and it wasn't that bad. It really was pretty good. Um, I have to give them credit for it. Um, but definitely one of the fanciest barbecue sandwiches I've ever had. Um, because usually you get them and it's sloppy and it's on a bun and it's all this kind of stuff. This was nothing but that. This was just a fancy sandwich. Now, I see like some sort of a like a pickle spear and then some sort of purple garnish next to it. And then just the sandwich cabbage or something. I think there's no, there's no like sides or anything. It's just the sandwich on a tray. Can I ask how much this fancy sandwich with a pickle spear ran you? See, I'm going to have to actually look it up. I can't remember. Um, Oh, it's not a big deal, but but my, my guess is 14 bucks or something like that. Probably. Probably it wasn't like we could have eaten in another place and we didn't. So like I don't think it was super like ridiculous. 
Um, but you know, I they see do have a, kind I of a captive a audience. In our corner too. What did you get to drink? Um, I got sweet tea. Got there sweet you tea go. There you go. So uh, I had to get my sweet tea in because I was going to California, and I knew they wouldn't have sweet tea there. Yeah, they don't. They have they have hot brewed tea that you can drop ice into, but that's not iced tea. That's not sweet tea. That's just tea with ice. That's different. And then I and then actually the last night I was in California, we went to uh, Baba Gump, and uh, they had sweet tea, but then it was like weird. It didn't taste it didn't taste quite right. California sweet tea, <laughs> exactly. Oh, dude, looking at that picture, it's making me hungry. And it's after 11 here, and it's after midnight for our producer and, and buddy Sean out on the East Coast. So um, we probably do need to, to call it a night. We're coming up on two and a half hours of doing this show. And it was a fun one talking about the, the new Kenobi series. And we'll do a full Kenobi recap in about a month, talking about uh, how the entirety of the show went. But uh, it was great getting to catch up with you post uh celebration and post some of the episodes of kenobi if people wanted to keep up with with your thoughts on the show and and your adventures and maybe your photo dumps of your trip to celebration how can the folks at home do that yeah um uh real quick first of all um 13 is is i just looked it up the price Ah, i was close i said 14 if, if this was prices right, I'd be really, really close. There you go. You, 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 you were very, very on the money there. Um, but yeah, um, go follow me personally at Ben Hart with No E on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I haven't posted anything, in, in, anything on Instagram yet. I'm going to start doing that very soon. Uh, definitely go over to uh, uh, at the SWU because I've been posting a lot over there. Still have a backlog of stuff to post. Posting a lot from the Mandalorian experience, which was, you can get a chance to talk about that tonight. One of the most mind blowing things I've ever seen in my life. Okay. It was freaking great. I saw a um, lot of people posting pictures from that, like the full Cad Bane costume, like the Bantha. That looked I'm awesome. really hoping that turns into like a, a traveling exhibit or something like that. Like they would be remiss not to like have that on display for everyone to see because it was special beyond words um but i got a picture of just about everything in there so go over the star wars underworld and see a picture of all the stuff i know a lot of you can't be there so uh, i did my best i could okay guys i'm sorry um but uh yeah definitely go try to follow us there and of course culture site we're doing a whole we they shot a bunch of video content um so definitely go uh uh subscribe on youtube to culture slate because we're gonna have a lot of a documentary style stuff from celebration coming out uh within the next few weeks of this being edited as we speak and that should be a lot of fun um and i'll be posting my personal pictures as we go through that on my personal accounts but uh yeah i'm gonna shut up and get some sleep guys it's been a week it's been a freaking week it's been a freaking day okay um hopefully in two weeks time i will be back to normal i will feel normal i won't have to uh i won't have to bow out every 10 seconds to cough out a lung um, but uh, thank you so much, Sean, for filling in and keeping the show going. Uh, thank you all for your patience. Thanks, Zach, for being back and uh, keeping this here show together. And uh, I'll see you guys on the flip side. On the flippity flip, we'll see you um, in about two weeks to discuss Jurassic World Dominion. 
uh, you may actually end up seeing like a mini episode on Facebook Live or something, uh, doing some sort of a review with my buddy Mondo. We are setting it up to where we're going to see the movie four times in four days in four different theaters in four different formats. We're seeing it in IMAX. We're seeing it in 3D. We're seeing it in Dolby. And we're seeing it at a new dine-in experience that's right by my house. It'll be 2D oh, wow. but with some great new foods. So go follow me at Zach the Voice on all the different social platforms. And go follow the IPC podcast on Facebook and Twitter especially. Uh, maybe even on Instagram. Who knows? But we're probably going to do like a like a special miniature live episode sometime next week. Possibly talking about our thoughts on Dominion, and then we'll have a full Dominion episode in two weeks' time right here on the IPC podcast on Phantom Empire Live. Um, but I think that's going to do it for this episode of the IPC podcast. Go find us at Patreon at patreon.com slash IPC podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, but you can find it mainly on ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Follow Phantom Empire. They have a ton of content that's being pumped out that's Star Wars related, that's Halloween related, um, that's wrestling related. If you're a wrestling fan, like there's all kinds of great stuff here on this channel. And be sure to leave a rate and review of the channel and of our podcast wherever podcasts can be found. Um, swag is available at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. I just got some swag from um, the USFL, the newest uh, pro football league. Um, Kate, that came in the, in the mail. Finally, I've been waiting for that for a while. And uh, Schindler's reminding you to watch camp Cretaceous season four before uh, we get to that discussion in two weeks. Cause from what Trevorrow told us, Dominion actually has some loose ties to the newest season of Camp Cretaceous. So uh, I'm really looking forward to all of that as well. That's great. But I think that is going to officially do it after over two and a half hours of content. It's finally time to put IPC and Mr. Hart to bed. Episode 348 is now officially in the books for Sean, who was on earlier, and for Ben, who is here now. I'm Zach Arnold, thanking you so much for tuning in to this episode of the IPC Podcast. We're looking forward to seeing you again in two weeks' time to talk about dinosaurs and in four weeks to wrap up this Kenobi discussion. But until then, good night, everyone.